Any other apologies? No? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Declarations of interest. Councillor Freeman. Yes, Town Council, Saffron Walden. Thank you. Town Council, Saffron Walden. Thank you. District Councillor Hatfield Heath, Parish Councillor Hatfield Heath um, on item three. Fine. And for myself, item seven, I'll be recusing myself from the meeting. Thank you very much. And with that, we will proceed with UTT 172499. Sorry. What item is it? Is it uh, Sorry, John. Item six. Is it six? Item. Sorry, item Second six. Morgan. I will recuse myself as it's an application by the wife of a fellow councillor. Yeah, I presume that applies to all uh, three of you. Yeah. Well. yeah, okay. Now that point noted. Okay, Anne. Okay, uh, UTT 172499, application in Mill Lane, Hatfield Heath. Mrs. Denmark to take us through it. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. So this is the site. Members visited the site this morning. Um, you saw that at the northern part of the site, the top part, I can't find the mouse there, um, that is currently a chicken, uh, sorry, an egg processing plant. And then the bottom part of the site is... Um, more wooded and um, has a range of buildings on it. Um, so the proposal is for the demolition of the majority of the existing buildings on the site, <coughs> the erection of 25 new dwellings, the conversion of the water tower to a dwelling, and the, reten <coughs> so, excuse me, the retention of seven of the um, existing buildings on site. So this is the layout of the proposed site. Um, the site is a brownfield site within the Metropolitan Green Belt. Um, so this is the layout of the site. There would be 10 affordable housing units, which are these eight down here, and these two in the middle. So these eight would be two bedrooms, and these two would be three bedrooms. It's a mixture of three, four, five bed plus houses within the development on the open market um, proposals. The garden sizes are all very generous and um, for once I haven't bothered giving you the um, garden sizes because you can see they're more than generous and more than meet the, the standards. This is um, some street scenes. Unfortunately they're very small so it's not come out very well so what I have got is a um, some images of some of the house types. I've not included all of them. Um, but these are the affordable houses as you come in the site. These are the plots along the back of the site where you have the open farmland beyond. And this is a section in the middle where you've got the converted water tower. Like I say, some of the housing types, so that's, some of the, that's affordable, that's the affordables. Um, and these are some of the market houses. And this is the water tower conversion. And these are the plots along the back. And actually that was 25, that's not along the back. Um, and this is a plan that shows the buildings that are to be retained. Um, and so they would be renovated and made available for uses associated with the residential development. Uh, could be home 
office um, space, it could be um, a gym. We haven't got any clear um, definitive ideas at the moment, but they would, form, they would come under the management of a management company that would be responsible for um, maintaining the site and these units. And then you've got um, a play space in the middle there. These are the buildings that are to be retained. This map shows you um, the layout of the proposed development and the areas of red, they are the areas of current buildings and hard standings. So it gives you an indication as to um, a comparison between the, the existing and the proposed. Overall, um, in terms of built footprint, the scheme represents a, um, a reduction in footprint in terms of hard surfacing although it is now slightly spread out. Access will be down Mill Lane, and there are some um, alterations proposed to Mill Lane. So you've got um, some surface treatment uh, to go here, and on the... Sorry, I can't show you. Um, uh, some more surface treatments going down here. This has been approved um, agreed by um, the Highway Authority. All the, uh, the site isn't scheduled as a local listing. It is um, up for consideration for the next update of the local listing. But we don't have a time frame for that at the moment. We're waiting for um, our conservation officer to start in April and it will be one of the jobs that they will be required to do but it may not take place for another year or so. Um, it wasn't included on the current local listing because of the time frame at which this came forward. Um, we were quite a long way away down the line of getting the document formalised so um, that's why it's not included now. So we don't actually have a time frame for when it may become um, part of the local listing. So all the issues are as set out in the report and it's recommended that the application be approved. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Denmark. Um, we have several speakers, so I'm going to take those in order, uh, starting with Nikki Champion. Uh, Nikki, if you take a chair. Richard, can you just show how to put the mic on? Nikki, you have three minutes when you're ready. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm Nikki Champion, a resident of Mill Lane, Hatfield Heath. As a direct neighbour of the proposed development, I wish to raise five significant points which have not been addressed to date and reflect the views of many of the residents and objectors. Road layout. Mill Lane is a single track road with the narrowest point outside one Mill Lane. This pinch point measures 3.1 metres, which the developer has failed to note in any of the documents submitted. The legal minimum width for two-way traffic is 6 metres, thus rendering the road impassable at this point, as it cannot be widened. Increased traffic movements. An independent survey has been conducted which discredits the data presented by the developer on which the highways agency have based their opinion. The survey proves there will be at the very least a 22% increase in traffic movements. 
If the developer suggests community access to the retained POW camp buildings, this would further increase traffic movements. Pedestrian safety. For residents living on Mill Lane from the A1060 junction up to number three, the developer offers no pavement provisions. This part of the lane has the youngest residents and those that walk into the village several times a day to the school alone. There will be no alternative but to walk in the road to access the pavements on either the Stortford Road or the suggested new pathways into the village located by the entrance to the new development. The road is already dangerous, but the risk to residents and those that choose to walk will significantly increase due to the number of vehicles. Sewage and wastewater. In the last six months, number one mill lane, which is at the end of the current sewerage wastewater pipeline the developers propose to use, have seen at least four sewage blockages which have required professional attention. These problems have become more frequent since the most recent developments in Mill Lane, an additional seven family-sized houses in eight years, which used the pipeline originally installed to service the camp. An additional 26 properties using the current system will be disastrous. If the development is approved, current residents would seek assurances that any future repairs required to their homes or the already overloaded old existing system due to sewage and wastewater problems would be borne by UDC. Wildlife. The land in question is currently a haven for protective species. Great crested newts, bats, badgers as well as deer. Should the development proceed, the wildlife would be no longer, even if boxes, dens are provided. The increase in human and vehicular traffic would deter the wildlife and in turn reduce the biodiversity of the village for future generations. The current access, sewerage, wastewater infrastructure proposals are an accident wait to happen and I hereby urge you to decline the planning application on health and safety grounds and in the interest of public safety. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you very much, Nikki. Uh, Nigel Robley. Mr. Robley, you also have three minutes. One. Good afternoon. I'd like to get back to basics. The basics in this case are that someone wants to build a 26-house estate on agricultural land in the Green Belt and outside the village envelope and access it via a country lane that is already unfit for purpose. You are being asked to believe a number of things, however. Firstly, that this is not agricultural but previously developed land and that Greenway's egg farm is in fact an industrial egg packing plant. The fact that the site comprises Camp Farm at the northern end and Little Heath Farm at the southern end should give a clue but is apparently not relevant. The fact that Greenway started life as an egg farm with packing as an adjunct to this activity is apparently also not relevant. The fact that in this case industrial use is one simple egg packing machine is, however, apparently relevant and sufficient to justify a general industrial B2 classification. If this is the case, then I would hope this body will notify all the farmers and horticulturists that they are in fact entitled to B2 classification since they pack potatoes, carrots, onions, fruit, salad goods, etc. Most are outside the village envelope and in Greenbelt where nearly all have some direct or semi-derelict buildings on them, which should also now qualify them for the building of estates. Some of the former POW camp buildings were used by Greenways to raise battery chickens and the old hospital wing to pack the products thereof, eggs. 
agricultural use without question. So you're also being asked to believe that getting rid of the chickens but continuing packing of the same product constitutes a change from agricultural to industrial use. The buildings on the lower portion of the site were used to storm farm machinery. I emphasise farm again and would also point out that the camp was handed back to the farmers on the basis that it would be used for farming. You are, however, being asked to believe that a former POW camp constitutes previous development and allows expansion of the camp's previously restricted footprint without hindrance. You're also being asked to believe a 26 housing estate is of benefit and in fact an improvement to the Greenbelt since it blends the village into the countryside. To most people's thoughts, however, it blends quite nicely now. You are finally being asked to believe that a country lane that is not presently fit for purpose according to highways, saying bad visibility, bad geometry, too narrow, no footway, poor sightline and access onto and off of the A1060, risk to cars, pedestrians and cyclists is suitable access to the site based on lawful use. So you are being asked to ignore the acknowledged present health and safety issues based on the fundamentally unsafe but apparently lawful present usage. You're also being asked to believe that 26 houses will represent no further increase in traffic, despite an independent survey by the Parish Council showing a 22% increase as an absolute minimum. If you believe all of this, then you as a group should approve the proposal. But have the nerve and decency to declare open season on the concepts of Greenbelt and Village Envelope, ignore any access restrictions, however unsafe, accept any spurious justification and be prepared to take the consequences. I know of at least three sites in Hatfield Heath that qualify better than this one, and I challenge each of you directly to deny you have a similar or greater number in your districts. I wish you luck in trying to shut the lid on this particular Pandora's box. <coughs> thank you, Mr. Robley. Yes, thank you, Mr. Robley. Yes, certainly. I, I'm aware of your circumstances, so please. Yeah, I hope everybody just bears with me a second. Oh, it's just Kate. We'll just take a couple of minutes. I'm going to call Mr. Cooper next. Cooper, if you just bear with us a couple of minutes, I'm just getting you comfortable. Thank you. Sorry, Chairman, I'm afraid I'll have to go. <coughs> no, that's fine. We quite understand and wish you well. Yeah, wish Kate well, okay? Yeah. All of us do. Speak to you soon, Robert. Okay, apologies, Mr. Cooper. Okay. Uh, just for the record, I have to note that uh, Councillor Chambers has left the room and left the meeting. Um, when you're ready, Mr. Cooper, you have three minutes. Okay. In maintaining the Prisoner of War Camp 116, there is a feeling and belief that to provide for future generations is a prerequisite of retaining history for a site of such importance. The Royal British Legion, an expression of lest we forget, is a concept which is a clear focus in carrying out a coordinated programme in the local primary school. 
linked to the History Society, involvement of talks, presentations and projects have created a relationship in maintaining continuity for a then and now concept over many years to ensure that history is not lost. Indeed, it is an important aspect to assure young people that what has happened in the past has implications on the present and future. The nature and effect of World War I and World War II for each year group has created interest in which the POW camp has provided a particular emphasis. Recently, the inability to visit the camp has negated a hands-on experience which has been active in the past. The camp conforms to the so-called standard layout with the guards' compound consisting of MOWP huts while the prisoners' living huts are all timber lang huts. A good example of a standard camp according to a survey by the English Heritage in 2003. At this survey, only 17% of these building groups survived and 15 years later it is reasonable to suppose that the percentage of surviving camps is smaller which makes this group of buildings even more significant. The timber huts are becoming extremely important for of the many camps located throughout the British Isles during World War II, not many original Lang huts remain. These are of incredible historical value and if demolished they would be lost forever as part of the Second World War history. It is our belief that far from being demolished in the near future and housing built, it should be retained as a living museum. The group of buildings represent a period of the 20th century which holds value of both local and national significance. Within the camp there is evidence of a mural which has significant historical prominence. There is also evidence of lettering placed on the floor which appears to have relevance in a particular context. At a cabinet meeting in May this was recognised and it was requested that the camp be nominated as a UDC local heritage site and note of this should be taken in the application. We have heard nothing since and the application mentions nothing. Local residents, school trips and interested history groups would benefit as in the past by visiting the site. This fundamental part of wartime history should be retained as it would be inconceivable that the buildings and camp would be bulldozed from history. According to the Construction Environmental Management Plan, no development should take place, including demolition, groundworks, vegetation clearance, until the construction environmental management plan has been submitted to and approved in writing by the local planning authority. If the authority has not been giving this, would appear to be too late for the clearing and the tree felling has already taken place. Work should not in any circumstances commence until the local planning authority has provided with a licence issued by the Natural English Pursuant to Regulation 53 of the Conservation of Habits and Species Regulation 2010 authorising the specific activity development to go ahead. This appears to have been ignored by the developers. It is also the History Society's understanding that archaeological excavation of the camp would have to take place if planning is approved. Excavation of Witches Camp in nearby Much Haddon revealed more than 5,000 articles. In 2010, David Murray unearthed over 2,000 items in his back garden, which was previously part of that camp. Other interesting articles will be found in Camp 116, and will these excavations take place? Uh, thank you, Mr. Cooper. Uh, Deborah Holmes.
Uh, you also have three minutes. Good afternoon. I just have two small points to make. The first is, as History Not Houses, we put together a Facebook page with a petition to prevent the demolition of Camp 116. And to date, it stands at 2,515 people opposing this development. My second point is, the National Planning Framework policy framework states there are exceptions to the Green Belt with which you're being asked to consider and one of those is the replacement of a building providing the new building is in the same use and not materially larger than the one it replaces. The proposal is not to replace single-storey agricultural buildings of wood construction but to build two-storey residential homes, some of considerable size. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, David Parrish. Sorry, Chairman, I've been a bit slow. Don't worry. Okay, Chairman, Councillors and staff here, my name is David Parrish, as many of you know, I was with Oxford District Council for over eight years on committees. I've lived in Hatfield Heath for 40 years plus, and all my children were born there, and I've always said, and I will continue to say, that we and our children must never allow another war where millions were actually murdered and Hundreds of thousands were killed, as was the case with World War II. The POW camp 116 is vital to remind us of that situation and also explain what happened to our many, many youngsters that are coming forward. Nearly a year ago, the original idea was for 44 houses, none of which our local youngsters could afford, and that still applies to um, the ones that are now uh, put forward. Uh, and just for the District Council, I understand form planning received over 800 objections to this particular application. Those objections still apply. They do not go away. It was then reduced to 35 houses, and again, after a lot of discussion, they then reduced it to 26 houses, none of which any of us in Hatfield Heath and many of us here today could afford. They also want to destroy the only POW camp for very many miles around. Early in 2018, they started ripping all the trees down and destroyed much of the wildlife living there already. I would like to draw your attention, all of you, to a particular document which is headed Usford District Council Specialist Conservation Advice, and it's this one. And you all must have seen it, but I doubt any of you have got it in your papers or on your computer, and I doubt if any of you have read it. But it was written by David Gibson, who is uh, and was an expert on planning, especially regarding prisoner of war camps like ours. As this is number one, 116, we must keep it. There's nothing else near it many miles around. Anyway, this paper was written on 7th of December. If you haven't read it, please do, because David Gibson knew what he was talking about, and he is excellent. It went public as well. 
Finally, I'd like to remind all of you that your own cabinet voted that the whole POW camp 116 must be saved and strongly recommended unanimously that Uttersford District Council do everything they can to save it, which is opposite to what the officer has written just recently and made recommendations to this council. And I hope Cabinet say something about that paper and try to stop it because they unanimously wanted uh, the Cabinet who are in total charge of Uttersford District Council, I presume they are at the top and therefore should be listened to. <coughs> Excuse me. And they agreed, as I said, that it should be added to the heritage list, but unfortunately it was just a fraction too late to go for the first list. But I understand completely from um, planning that it's on the second list and it will go forward to be approved as seen as soon as possible when another employee to take on the job of heritage officer is employed. And I expect that to be not too long. Chairman, those are my remarks. I've got a lot more to say, but I'm not going to because otherwise we'll go over it. But uh, the last thing I will say is, do you want to kill somebody because with a possible 60 vehicles going up and down Mill Lane, trying to get onto and off of the A1, A1060, there will be a major accident, believe you me, and you, unfortunately, will be responsible. Thank you, Chairman. I have, I have copies of this later. Thank you, Mr. Parrish. Uh, Mr. Derek Farr. <coughs> Mr. Farr, you also have three minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and uh, good afternoon to you and to members. Um, I, my name is Eric Fry. I'm the parish clerk for Hatfield Heath Parish Council, and obviously they have instructed me to come and talk to you with their views this afternoon. The parish Council strongly objects to this development on a number of important grounds. The site is completely within the Metropolitan Green Belt and outside the village envelope, and it would have an overbearing impact on the countryside, and indeed, your own policy, S6, would seem to cover this point. Both parts of the site are designated agricultural land and therefore greenfield sites. The claim that Greenway's portion is brownfield is inaccurate, uh, since the, uh, the use has not, uh, sorry, the use of the site has been progressed from designated agricultural land since the land was handed back to the then two farms after the war. It does not fit the legal definition of Brownfield, as defined in PBG3, and I'll quote, buildings and surrounding land that are currently in use for agricultural or forestry purposes are excluded from the definition of brownfield. Indeed, all previous attempts to develop the Greenway site has been turned down by this district council uh, on the basis that uh, the representation of the previous development site is, uh, doesn't apply and therefore in this case the suggestion that it's previously developed is completely inaccurate and in our view misleading. The development would generate some 22% increase in overall traffic flow in the extremely restricted mill lane 
This has no footway and requires extreme caution for passenger vehicles as there is a width restriction of just 3.1 metres. The claim that the increase would represent only a marginal increase over the approved use by greenways is therefore incorrect. An independent survey carried out by our parish council shows that, uh, the, shows that translating the present use by 13 modest, modestly sized houses uh, to the 26 proposed would generate a minimum of a 37% increase on top of the current use. A reduction of the site to just 19 dwellings uh, would fit the current use, certainly not 26. This data and this information was provided to the District Council and to Highways in July and again in December 2018, so, so I'm sure members have seen this. Uh, a Parish Council survey in 2016 showed a need for a further 10 rented homes in the village with no further requirement for market value housing. And Mill Lane, as already stated, is certainly not a preferred location for this development, you know, for, for additional housing that we do need. 26 additional houses is a 3.5% increase in the size of the village, which, which has no capacity in the local school, uh, and severely stretched doctor's surgery has no spare capacity, and there are restrictions with electricity, gas, water, telephone, and foul water facilities. And there's only a single outlet for surface water down the well-known and documented flood route, and I'll refer you to the SUDS report. A footpath cycle path access through Broomfields and Home Pastures is claimed to relieve traffic congestion and the proposal has recently been amended to upgrade this link, which is unusual since the land is, is not owned by the applicant. However, observed habits of other developed areas within the village suggest this link would be little used and in our opinion is eyewash. The heritage statement is a privately commissioned study for the applicant by Shaw and Jagger architects and the conclusions appear to be completely at odds with the other uh, information you've received in this subject. We also question the refurbishment of some of the guard huts and designation as ancillary buildings. These are neither assurances that these would be preserved in the long term or that they would have any access to the general public. In summary, therefore, we believe that this proposal does not fit within the spirit or intent of either the present or proposed local plans for Hatfield Heath and is entirely inappropriate and is purely speculative. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Uh, thank you, Mr Farr. Um, right. The final speaker is Mr Samuel Bampton, the agent. Mr Bampton, you have up to 18 minutes. I know you're not going to take that long. When you're ready. Good afternoon. I'm Sam Bampson from Pelham Structures, the applicant and local builder. Uh, just before I start, I'd like to cover off a few points raised by the speakers, uh, particularly about the brownfield status of the site. Uh, the Greenway's eggs, yes, was a at one point a chicken farm, um, but they sought a certificate of lawfulness for the change of use from it to B2, which the council will be fully aware of. And, and have a copy of it. Um, the front part of the site has largely not been used since the war and therefore still has a C2A secure institute use to it. Therefore, both are considered brownfield and previously developed land. Um, to continue, 
Um, this brownfield site presents a fantastic opportunity to deliver a very special scheme that provides significant benefits and preserves the history of POW Camp 116 by retaining seven of the existing structures, including the water tower. The, ex the existing structures on the site were constructed in 1942 to house Italian and German prisoners, and although not worthy of uh, designation, they have local value. Historic England have previously considered the site and at the time did not consider it worthy of listing. On the front part of the site are prefabricated concrete structures which have asbestos roofs and most have concrete cancer. These buildings, the buildings to be demolished are incapable of restoration as you will have seen from your visit today and the poor condition of them. However, at the heart of the development is proposed to retain and restore seven of these buildings protecting their group appearance. This will ensure that they can be appreciated by future generations and maintained in longevity. The water tower is to be converted into a house and the remaining buildings will retain their existing open form, providing a residence gym, home offices and storage to serve the new development. The mural which has been referred to is located within the canteen building, which is the long building on the plan in front of you, um, which is to be retained. The mural will be also be retained in situ and it is proposed to have public access on certain days of the year, which I believe the Council have asked to be conditioned in the Section 106 agreement, which we have, are happy to enter into. On the rear of the site, which is the most sensitive in Greenbelt terms, there are low-quality timber frame hats, most of which, which are beyond repair. It is proposed to redevelop this area, creating a low-density farmstead that will be more sensitive to the settlement edge. Um, this has been done by a combination of barn-style and granary and a farmhouse-style properties, um, trying to have single storey as much as possible along the most sensitive edge, where you would have seen today there are a number of lorries, um, bonfires, etc., that are unpleasant and out of characteristic with the local area. The new homes are to be built in a traditional style and will be similar to the neighbouring property Mill End that was built by us in 2008 and provides a good example of the style of property that we built. When you were on site today, there was, a, there was staged congestion at the bottom of the road due to an inconveniently parked car that caused one of the lorries to be stuck and gave the appearance of congestion. However, we are of the view that this problem will be fully addressed by our proposal which will remove all of the traffic that's associated with Greenway's eggs, which involves considerable amounts of HGV movements. And although we will have a modest increase in the movements on the road, but the removal of the lorries and replacing them with cars, which is a more appropriate use, will see a significant improvement in the safety on the lane. We're also proposing to create a footpath along two-thirds of the lane, um, provide a pedestrian access and cycle access into home pastures which connects to facilities at the core of the village and we're going to widen and resurface the section of lane required for access to the development. These improvements combined will make the lane considerably safe, safer than the status quo which is acknowledged by the highways authority. It is very rare to find a site that has so much potential to deliver betterment and we believe that the proposals before you will be an exemplar that will be appreciated by all once complete. The benefits include, but are not limited to, improving the character of the Greenbelt, making effective use of Brownfield site, sympathetically preserving seven non-designated heritage assets, removing substantial lorry movements, widening and improving Mill Lane, and creating new habitats for wildlife, including the management of the woodland shown to the southwest corner of the site. In addition to these site-specific benefits, the proposal will also deliver 16 open market and 10 affordable homes that will enhance and maintain the vitality of Hatfield Heath, the only key village within the district not to be allocated any new homes in the emerging plan. For these reasons, I hope that you can support the application, and I thank you for your time. Uh, okay, Mr Bampton, thank you very much. That's the last of the speakers. Um,
Is there any points you wanted to raise, Mr Brown? I think uh, whether Karen wants to clarify issues around... Yeah, we were um, directed to a document written by David Gibson, who is an expert. Um, that document wasn't written by David Gibson. That document was written by Anne Harrod um, Hart, um, our conservation officer. Those comments are set out verbatim from page 18 to page 22 in the officer's report. So um, members have got a copy of those um, a, a copy of that document so um, you are aware of the comments that were set out in there. The previous case officer dealing with the application was David Gibson and so that's why it says planning officer David Gibson um, so that's why p possibly um, the confusion has arisen but it was actually written by our conservation officer at that particular time. Okay, members, over to you. Uh, Councillor Wills and then Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, could you just clarify two points for me? Um, the Greenways egg site is not part of the development, um, I understand. So what the Greenways eggs part at the top, is that part of the development? It is? Yes, it is. It's... Um Right, so, but that, that, is that going to be built on then? Yes, it is. all the, the, the Greenways eggs plant is will going. be taken away. Right, yeah. so could you also then also clarify what are the road improvements? How is that going, because I'm just thinking of waste vehicles, emergency vehicles, how is that road going to be improved to facilitate access for them? Okay, well, in some respects, some of the improvements will be from the fact that the site access will be down at this southern corner down here, so vehicles will no longer be going up here round to the top part of the site, so all of the vehicle movements will be going in down the bottom, so that's one aspect. And then highways have... Sorry, go right to the end... Um, have approved this so it's showing um, formalised margins being put in and um, surface, new surface treatment going in which highways consider will be sufficient to improve the safety along there. Apologies, could you just, I'm not quite sure where that is in relation to Mill Lane where you come off the main road. Okay, so where this bit here is the main road and then this is where you're going in um, past the it's um, care home on the corner isn't it um, so you're going in um, off of the corner so this is the bottom bit where you turn in and then the previous one is the top bit of the site where you're going into the site and then the lorries carry on currently carry on going round the side here and up there so you'll be taking away that vehicular traffic along that section there and all vehicular traffic will be going into the site on this bit here. Can you see that with the mouse? I'm not sure if it's... Are you happy, Councillor Wells? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to come back to something you said. I'm going to take Councillor Fairhurst, then Councillor Lachlan and Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, a very interesting application with so many different variables and so many different aspects to it. Um, I want to just highlight the three that strike me as most significant here. 
The first is we are told this is a brilliant opportunity of a brownfield site in the Greenbelt. And that seems to be a rather um, interesting interpretation. There is an alternative interpretation that this is not a brownfield site at all, but, it, but an historic site. It's not quite the same thing. I don't think it was the intention of the, of the drafters. Um, the fact that we, just can, we have to consider natural issues like wildlife and newts and bats and things, I think we tend to imply that it wasn't. Um, I think we have to be very careful not to try and interpret things to suit ourselves. The second issue that worries me is the traffic, because at 3.1 metres it does seem a bit narrow, and we spend a lot of time trying to get out today. I'm not talking about where it was blocked, but even before that time. It's quite a narrow little road, and access is always going to be a big issue for me. Um, I didn't quite understand where the footpaths are all going to be and how they're going to be places are going to be found, but it is going to be an issue for me. But the final one is the one that worries me most, I must tell you. Um, this, this morning, I was minded to think of the Colossus of Rhodes. Um, when I was quite young, I was told about the Colossus of Rhodes. How many people, people, most people don't know the Colossus of Rhodes. It was one of the seven wonders of the earth. It's a big deal. It was a, it was a huge bronze statue straddling an, at the entrance to a harbour. This is a massive and impressive thing. And at age five, and at age 25, and age 50, I could never quite understand how it came about that there isn't a Colossus of Rhodes. Bronze doesn't deteriorate that badly. Who would have, who'd ever consider bringing down this magnificent Colossus of Rhodes? What kind of people are these? Well, in fact, what happened was at the time, as someone thought, an invader decided that that bronze would make great cannon, and there was a greater need for cannon than for statues. And so they melted the Colossus of Rhodes. It's a question of who believes needs changed from times change and we decide things are not important anymore. And then we go back and think, what were we thinking at the time? Walking around the site today, I didn't find a completely dilapidated and un, um, a rest, unrestorable historic site. I saw some rather impressive old buildings. When I read that it's Camp 116 and put a name to it, I would have liked to have been shown the mural and the lettering on the floors because that's personality. Those are things that matter. Build as many houses as you like, but you can't recreate that. You can't invent new history as you go along. And my question mark is this. What are we doing here? We have enough information today. I read articles from the conservation... And we have a lot of respect for our conservation officer. But I think it was very good. Um, was, there were a couple of objections. I'm going to ignore those. I'm just say things like sensitive heritage assets... Um, um, I see the bats. I'm not going to discuss the bats. I've got dozens of these things. The scale of harm and loss would be substantial. The problem they have, apparently, is there's no funding. So because we can't fund to fix it, let's bulldoze it and pretend it wasn't there. I'm going to move to reject this application, partly because of the green belt, partly because of the traffic, but most importantly because it's a historic site that should be respected. Thank you. I'll park that for the moment, as I do normally, OK? Um, Councillor Lochlin, I'd like to come back on a few of your points. Thank you. Well, it was mentioned. If I could, I don't know if I need to ask uh, Councillor Denmark or Councillor or Councillor Denmark. I promoted you, <laughs> Mrs. Denmark and Mr. Brown. It was mentioned about the cabinet. It went to cabinet, but I haven't heard that. So, um, can you elaborate on that, please? Yes, certainly. Um, there was an application for this to be. Um, an asset of community value and it wasn't considered that this was the appropriate, so, uh, appropriate pathway for um, securing protection for the site. So um, there was a, a resolution that it should go to Cabinet to be included in the local heritage list. As I explained earlier, by this time it was too, the 
local heritage list was too far down the line for this to be considered for that one. So it is sat waiting to be assessed for the next time that we review and update the local heritage list, but we've got no time frame for that actually being done. But that's where the Cabinet decision came in. Can I clarify, Karen? Uh, was that for the whole of the site or was just part that was being considered in this application? The, my understanding is that the assessment relates essentially... Uh, I haven't seen the assessment for the local heritage listing. Um, the only thing I've seen is the, um, what the um, conservation officers put here, which is largely, I believe, in line with what they're proposing as part of the um, local heritage listing. So I believe that they're aiming that um, some of the, the, you know, the better quality buildings, if you like, be retained and heritage listed but, like I say, until that assessment is made but, but by But there cabinet. wasn't a sweeping statement at Cabinet that said the whole of it should be retained? I haven't seen Cabinet's whole resolution. I understand. I understand. Okay. Councillor Lemon and then Councillor Riles. I think if I, I was at the Cabinet uh, meeting, and I don't remember the ins and outs of it, but the fundamental uh, view, I think, with, of the members was that it ought to be protected. Now, whether it's the whole site or whether it's the, the buildings within the fences that we saw today, but I think we have to take a note of what we, we were thinking and the way we were trying to go with it, that it is you know, a historic part, a little part in the district, and it should be retained. Okay. Councillor Lemon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's uh, some points. Um, one, I noticed that um, in the um, objections, one was part of the access road was designated as the bridleway. Is that correct or not correct? There is a bridleway, yes. Yeah, okay, thank you. And presumably that's permitted for road use. Um, the other thing is that... Um, I know we know that development can take limited development can take place in, in, in green in greenbelt areas, um, and particularly it mentions in, in Hatfield Heath and White Roading will only be allowed if they are compatible with the village. I'm actually not sure that these larger houses on this site are, are compatible. Um, the road access, I'm told, I've been told today, is um, in parts only 3.1 metres. When I contacted highways and asked what their, uh, that was smaller than the um, permitted uh, width of the road, so they told me. I might well be wrong, but that's what they said. So um, I was shocked today. I, I know this area really well. I don't suppose I've been down there many times but I was shocked today with the, the difficulty in going backwards and forwards um, yes the egg um, the egg vehicles have made a, <laughs> have always been a nuisance on that road but um, but okay taking them away will help but it will the increase in traffic I in my opinion will make it worse but um, the other thing is do we know when um, we will hear from the heritage officer because it was the in, cabinet that asked us to send it to the as I've heritage. As I've said twice already, 
we are waiting for a uh, new member of staff to mm. come in and take up the post of heritage officer yeah. and it will be one of their roles that they will need to do but there is no time frame for when that will take place. Mm. Okay, well, what I'm asking is should we be discussing this until we hear back from the we heritage officer? We have to take planning applications in accordance mm. with the policy at the time which we make okay. the decisions. That's okay. That's right. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. I'm concerned about a number of aspects, um, uh, particularly the, uh, the access. Um, I, I really can't see that is appropriate. It, look, it looks a very difficult one to, uh, to solve. It does seem inappropriate. But I have a particular um, concern about the status of this land. We're, 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 there seem to be a different opinion whether it is agricultural, whether it is brownfield or not. One point that was raised was that there was an application for a B2 certificate of lawful use. Um, was that accepted and implemented? Was that granted? Yes, it was. So we're saying that technically then this, this is a brownfield site and that applies to what proportion of the overall area? These, without double-checking the plan of the um, Certificate of Lawfulness, but it would be the top section of the site, so the Green May Egg Plant. So that's the, the smaller section at the top that goes around that house there. Right, so the status is that part of this site then is brownfield. The remainder is agricultural and within the green belt. Is that correct? Uh, I'll ask Mr Brown to clarify. I think it's yeah, yeah. Just, just, to, just to confirm, on page 26, policies, um, paragraphs 11.4 and 11.5, very succinctly put the two bits of the site. Well, the first part of the site we've just discussed was an egg packing plant. Basically, the egg packing plant became detached from the agriculture use for poultry, so therefore it became, um, it became a, an industrial process. And then that's very difficult. Some of the speakers were saying, well, eggs are eggs, basically. But technically speaking, it does become a separate exercise. And the second part of the site is not agriculture, because the last development of the site was it was a prisoner of war camp. So therefore, you've got, actually got development on the site. No development, nothing, nothing within the MPPF or the MPPJ or any of the policies would have had a specific thing around p p p uh, prisoner of war camp. So the site closer to the village, if you like, is previously developed land because it's a prisoner of war camp. And look at the site, there is currently stuff there. So in terms of looking at it from green pelt situation, you've got a northern bit which is an industrial process and a southern bit which has already got development on it. So that's why we consider it as previously developed land and that's where the green belt exclusion kicks in. Councillor Lemon, and then I'll come back to Councillor Freeman. Well, yes, just going on from that, I noted, note um, um, uh, infilling or limited development or redevelopment sites within the, are allowed, but they have to be within the development limits of the village, and this site is, is not in our development limits. Is that correct? Yes. Sorry, I'm it's outside me. development limits. It doesn't say that. Are you using the right NPPF? Um, what policy sorry. are you reading, Mark? Hmm? What policy are you yeah, reading? Yeah, what are you reading from? I'm reading from Metropolitan Greenbelt Policy SP10, and I will read it right out if you like. That has, um, that's infilling not been limited yet. development redevelopment sites within the development limits of the villages within Birch Hanger, Hatfield Heath, Leaden Roading, Little Hallingbury, and White Roading will only be allowed 
if they are compatible with the character of the settlement. What I'm saying is that this, you can, they're saying, you, yes, you can build on the green belt in special circumstances, which we all agree, but it has to be within the development limits of the village. And I, as far as I know, this is outside the development limits of our village. Policy SP10 doesn't carry any weight at the moment. It's not adopted. We have to consider it in line with policy S6 in the adopted local plan and the NPPF. And the NPPF is very clear in setting out what and where development can take place as set out in the officer's report in paragraphs 11.1 uh, to 11.4. So for clarification, that's part of the emerging local plan, which hasn't been adopted. Okay. Um, and sorry, on that particular point, the direction of travel on the... There is quite a lot of development policies emerging within the local plan, which are very similar to our current ones, and you know, that's, I'm not dissing the work of the policy team, but that was part of the easy bit in terms of some of those development management policies will gather away as we go. I would suggest that the remap policy is one of those that has, a, has to have an element of testing by an inspector before we accept it going forward. Um, but that's where we are. We're, you know, we've got a, a, a 2005 local plan with diminishing weight because of the development limits. We've got an emerging local plan which has increasing weight as we go forward, which the bottom line is the consistent issue is the MPPF, which, as we know, keeps changing in its own right as well. So it's a difficult one to keep a handle on at the moment. Uh, can, can I just come back quickly on that? I agree with all that, but it just seems totally inconsistent to me when we're working on a local plan that we're, we're saying that let's rush something in that's, that's now because it won't be in the local plan in six months' time, and I think that is appalling. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I have a feeling that I'm in the play Waiting for Godot, and the play waiting for Godot, you're always waiting for this character called Godot who never actually arrives. But that's, everybody likes that and that's fine. And I feel that when it comes to this business of being between local plans, the local plan, the new local plan is a bit like waiting for Godot because it doesn't apply, uh, but we're waiting for it, so that's important. But the previous one doesn't apply either because it's out of date. So we're in an interesting limbo when it comes to matters like this, which actually is unacceptable because people need decisions. Uh, and I have a lot of difficulty with this site. Uh, when I first drove onto it, when we first drove onto it, I thought, oh dear, you know, uh, this is going to be very straightforward. And it got more difficult as soon as we started looking into it. Um, I think some of the buildings should certainly be preserved, and that's catered for. Uh, in this plan. I think some of the li one at least of the Liang wooden huts because they are the principal part of it should find the best one uh, and um, stabilise that in some way as well because they were the main part of the of the site. But there seems to be questionable about whether it is or is not green belt. Okay, there will be people who argue very firmly no, no, it's got nothing to do with it. Whether it is or is not brownfield and again we've had eloquent arguments, yes it's definitely brownfield. Uh, and um, I'm not sure that we should proceed with this without having the expertise of a, a conservation officer or whatever, and we don't have one on the staff. We do hire them by the yard, and Angarad was a very good individual, and she, uh, her report has been produced here um, in detail, so that's good. But I still find it difficult to do this, because once it's done, it's done, uh, and once it's gone, it's gone, uh, and the fact that it's sitting in front of us 
right now I don't consider to be a sufficient argument for us to be bounced into providing consent for it. I think we need to be more measured because once this is it's a, it's a, it's a delightful site and it would be nice to see it used but the difficulties of the road access are not going to be solved without building a new road and nobody's talking about that or significantly widening the existing one and nobody's talking about that either. So I have severe reservations about this, Chairman. I find it difficult to vote in favour of it. <coughs> Councillor Lochlin and then Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you. I, I just want to pick you up on the local plan because having been around for 19 years or so now, I remember what happened to the last local plan. The inspector threw it out. And I really hope that that doesn't happen to this local plan. Um, but an appeal at Newport has just happened, and the policies we used were on the current local plan, the 2005 local plan, and I think that's what we all work to. I don't think we should look to the future because we don't know what's going to happen. It's hearsay. So if we could stick to, as I always do, and I'm sure the officers do, uh, until we are told otherwise we stick to the uh, existing local plan. Mm, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, it's an interesting discussion because, uh, of course, as, as I think my friend that understands I love clarity in regulation and quite keen to adhere to it. Um, when there's no clarity, what we do in the law is we, do, we separate the difference between the spirit and the letter of the law. In this case, there are some grey areas. I, must, I think we all agree there's some grey areas. Um, whether it's a, a brownfield site or, or, or it's not a brownfield site um, is, is subject to interpretation. Whether we um, listen to the, the emerging local plan or give it any weight at all, or whether we uh, stick with the NPPF or with, with, with 205. Um, I was at the, at the appeals yesterday and they discussed both um, and gave different weights to each one. Is, is less important important than the reason for us being here in the first place. Our job here isn't as, as qualified as it's not as strict as, it, as that. Our job is very much simpler than that. We have to weigh the harms with the benefits. We have to say, right, let's look at the benefits. We're getting a couple of houses. Are they the right houses? I'm not sure. We're getting a couple of houses. Houses are good. We need houses. Um, are they the right houses in the right places at the right price? That's part of the benefits. Once we've established that, we then look at the harms. And, and there are a number, there are at least three decent harms to find at this point. Um, as I've said already, the access and the traffic is a question mark. It may not be as clear and as precise as your policy requires, but there's a problem there. There's no doubt about that. The issue of bats and newts, and I've never met either, but I think they are an issue. Um, and they certainly are there. We know it's sort of greenbelt. We're not sure which part of it is. And we know there's a very strong and important historic significance to this process. And all of these harms add up. So sitting around this table here today, it isn't all that complicated, to be honest. Depending on which policy you choose, there are enough harms here to put on one side of the scale. How many benefits are there on the scale? And that's, that's why I came to the conclusion, in my opinion, that this is something we should reject. It doesn't match the harms. If, if it were four or five brilliant, hopelessly affordable houses that we can really use um, close to town barriers within walking reach of a of primary school and there was enough schooling, I'd say, well, there's something else there. But it doesn't. So I come back to it. I propose this be rejected because the harms do are far greater than the benefits. Thank you. Mm. Uh, Councillor Lachlan, just want to come back and then I'll take Councillor Lemon and then I want to try and wrap this up. Yeah, I don't want to quarrel with you, but if we refuse this now, we will have to have policies to refuse it on and the policies we use will be in the 2005 local plan. Exactly. We won't be using the new local plan because at the moment it doesn't really exist. Just wanted you to realise that. <coughs> okay. Councillor Lemon. 
Yes, I'd just like to come back on the point where some, uh, we were talking about the uh, road access to this site, and it was mentioned that really the only sensible thing is to widen, to make the road wider. Um, as far as I know, that will be impossible. So, but it does, that would solve a problem by making the road wider, but it can't be done. Uh, Councillor Hicks. Uh, yes, Chairman. I'd, I'd just like to query the harms that Councillor Fairbairn quotes. Um, the harms all are creations of Councillor Fairbairn's opinions on things. We have county highways who are saying that the access with certain work being done on it will be acceptable and will make access, in their view, uh, um, as the experts, um, acceptable. Councillor Fairburn doesn't agree with that. Well, and perhaps neither does Councillor Lemon. But they are supposed to be the experts, and so whose, whose opinion do we take? Um, he, he talks airily about bats and things. Now, in the officer's report, it says that the, um, there's been an ecology survey, and the, um, uh, again, the, the experts say there's no, no harm to be done by a development of this nature. So uh, is that really a harm, or is it only a harm in Councillor Fairburn's mind? And uh, so I, I think we go on like this with each application for development. We, we get people determined that they and have their opinion, which should supersede the expert's opinion, which I tend not to agree with generally. Thank you, Councillor Hicks. Um, Okay, well, if everybody's had their say, I'll try and sum up a few points. Uh, for me, just for clarity, it's in the green belt, but it's a brownfield site. Okay, well, that's what the classification has been given, so that would be argued at appeal. Uh, and I don't think we can defend that position. Um, the historic use as a World War camp is obviously there. Um, does that mean the site was a development site? Well, that's where it gets a little bit greyer, if you like. Um, I was interested to hear what Mr Cooper said because basically I think it is important that we preserve heritage assets but actually I see this perhaps as a potential that would preserve the heritage assets um, in as much as I can see these being restored and the fact that the play areas in the middle of it sort of lends a, an ability that children actually see how things were brought forward. Um, and I think the, prevention, uh, the preservation of the murals and things within those buildings. I'd very much like to see a report on how those buildings are going to pre preserve, though, because with the asbestos roofs and everything else, I don't see how that's going to be very easily achieved, which sort of brings me back round to the problem of cart before the horse here. I'd like to see what the mitigation is for that before I went any further. Um, OK, I think we've heard what everybody has to say. Um, the other issue, I think, access... Um, I notice on the drawings, uh, Mrs Denmark, that the dimension I can see is 4.8 metres. What, what is it, sorry? 4.1. Sorry, my screen's so small. Okay. So it's 4.1, not 3.1 necessarily. Okay, all right, yeah. All right, well, it's got 4.1 there. It's the only one I can see. Okay. No, I can't read it. Okay, all right. Um, no, no, fine. Thank you. All right. Um, we've had one uh, recommendation for...
motion for a refusal. Does that find a seconder? Before we go on, can I just clarify what those reasons yeah, are? Yeah, we'll have to now. We've got a seconder. Yeah. Sorry, can I come back on that? It would be rather nice. Yeah, we need the suggestion was it all my opinion, which I found rather amusing. Yes, it is our opinion. I want to just point out that we're discussing evidence here. And we must be very careful. No, sorry, Mr Chairman, I need to respond. I was, there was a statement made and I'm entitled to come back to it. Mm. We are supposed to include all evidence. That's the rule. There's no more evidence the more valuable than a site visit. And as, as members of this committee, we're supposed to look for ourselves and make our own minds up. If we're unable to do it, you're absolutely right, let's turn to the book. I feel quite comfortable that I can make my own mind about things like traffic. As far as the historic thing is concerned, I didn't take it terribly long for us to see that it's an important site. This is not an opinion, this is a fact. It's an observation. It's evidence, and it's valid. Um, the issues, Mr. Chairman, came to the point, the reasons for, for refusal, quite clearly the, the, the preservation of historic site is one that I think we all agree on. Um, I think the question of access is clearly a problem, and I must include that as well. I think it's a two that we can certainly win an appeal. Um, the decision, uh, your decision of whether it's a brownfield or inside, I think we can beg to differ on that. Um, the fact that it was used as a chicken farm for a number of years after the Second World War means that it did not um, stand as a brownfield site on that site. It went back to agricultural use. Chickens are definitely agricultural. Um, but if you want to, if you want to um, um, put together a deal that you think is much more robust, I am totally in the hands of our, our, our officer who does, has served us so well up until now. We need to have specific policies. Mr. Brown. We do. I mean, I'm picking up. I don't know. I, I, if you can give me some themes where, where you're attacking this from. Sorry. Sorry. Right. Um, access is slightly. Obviously, the problem we have, if we were starting from scratch on this particular site, obviously, if we were starting from scratch, it wouldn't be a prison of development land, so therefore you wouldn't be faced with a recommendation of approval. But if we were starting from scratch, the access requirements would be much more than what they've actually provided here. But the backstop can't be lost to the fact is there is a commercial activity at the very top of the site which has HTVs, which will be reduced to zero from that particular site. And, and so that is why highways have had to done it on a trip generation basis. So I think it would be very difficult. It's, it's a very difficult argument to have because, quite rightly, the road is not... Is, is difficult, but replacing lorries with cars, and that was what Mr Bampton said in his original when he presented it, that was the argument from highways, and it's a very clear argument. From a, from a, from a historic issue, none of the properties on the site are listed. We have a clear conservation comment made by, by the conservation officer. It's between stalls in terms of whether it could be put on the local heritage list. But we have some very clear comments from both the Ancient Monument Society, the conservation officer herself, as well as historically we don't want to comment. All have said it would be very good for the site to be preserved, at least partially. And so that is what is being put in front of us today, is a scheme which has market dwellings, but also has partially retained site on the site with public access. At the moment, some of the residents mentioned quite rightly that they haven't got public access. The site isn't a safe site to go to, but the site is not preserved. So to actually have controlled public access around a site means that that's a problem. So it's a very difficult problem to even if you're going to refuse it in historic, all our policies are based upon them being listed buildings, ancient monuments, even the archaeologists. I think possibly this has more of an archaeological interest than maybe actual built historic interest, but even the archaeologist is more picking up on Bronze Age stuff rather than, than Second World War stuff. So therefore, there is nothing to hang on to this in terms of any historic 
But I agree with what the residents are saying. This is historically important, and I think this is an opportunity from the scheme to actually allow public access to it. But to refuse it for historical reasons, I can't see how we can impose any of our policies on it, including the MPPF, which would usually be the backstop if the local plan doesn't usually cover those issues. And the MPPF is also quite clear in terms of definitions of heritage assets. So I find that very difficult to even pin the general MPPF preservation of historic input onto it. And, and, and so therefore, at a basic inquiry, we will be failing in terms of evidence. But the first question that any um, heritage expert sitting in an inquiry will be saying is, please can you explain to me what the actual status is of the, historic, of the, of the heritage asset? And we will say there isn't one. And so that, that is the problem we've got. I appreciate that, Mr Chairman. There are a couple of issues. The first is that at the moment, yes, there are lorries and SGVs using the time. There's a slightly different thing to access in terms of pedestrians and school children and, 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 and residential people moving up and down Ascus. There's much more harm and more risk in terms of traffic. Um, an HGV is not in the same kind of rich process. So I think it's slightly different. Access for pedestrians and for, and for, for normal residents is a different creature. And I think it's worth considering. The second thing, as far as historic is concerned, is that if we look at the, at the site itself and we accept, and I think it's completely fair to argue, that more than half that site was a chicken farm as agriculture and not, and not brownfield site. It falls squarely into the, the green belt and, and building on brownfield sites. So I think those two are both valid. Um, if our policies don't allow us to reject a poli a, 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 the destruction of an historic site, because it hasn't been in time, I'm talking to you, you just missed the deadline, hasn't been identified as an asset of, 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 of local value, then we have a problem with our own process. Thank you. Uh, yeah, very quickly, I want to close this down. Yes, did I? Um, we were told this morning it was a factory chicken battery unit. You can have a battery unit on top of a roof in London. It doesn't make it agricultural. You know, they're not country yokel chickens. They're, it was a battery. Doesn't matter. It wasn't. They weren't free but range even running if it around. Was agricultural picking at the I don't believe years ago, it's not anymore. It's had a change of use granted by the lawful development certificate. So it is a brownfield site. Certainly, you know, the Greenway egg plant is is B2. We cannot get around that. It has a B2 use. The the eggs are not. The, the eggs are brought in and processed. They're not produced on the site. So it's not agricultural. Okay. Um, we have a motion for a refusal. That has a seconder. All those in favour of refusal, please show. Okay, uh, under those circumstances, I have a casting vote. So that refusal is refused. That motion is refused, um, which means we go back to the original motion. Uh, I find myself wishing that this was actually going to be kicked down the road for six months so that we've got a very clear steer on what they were going to do with the uh, heritage buildings. Um, Having looked at the site today, I just find that uh, I, I think the development will, with putting the money into those buildings to restore them, perhaps serve a greater purpose long term than leaving them to go derelict. 
and that seems to be how I, I sit with this. Mr um, Chairman, can I just add to that? Let's, 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 let's stop kidding ourselves. Restoration of a historic site does not mean turning into other amenity buildings and children's playgrounds. That's, that's like saying Albertall is a really wonderful place, let's put it into apartments, that's preserving. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but the option is that they fall down. And, and that's, you know, it's a funding issue. This allows the funding to come in so that we get something out of it. Anyway, that's... We have a recommendation for approval. Does that find a proposer? Councillor Hicks. I'm happy to support the proposal. Okay. Does that find a second application? I think it does most to preserve what remains of uh, a, a site which has some history, okay. but isn't interesting enough apparently to, to uh, motivate the major societies okay. and organisations which fund these things to put money into it. And this council, I'm quite sure, doesn't want to take on the responsibility of having to maintain something like that. So um, if this provides um, some funding which will enable some historic assets to be maintained, then I'm all in favour of it. Okay. So that's a proposal. Does it find a seconder? <laughs> no, I've already got a, got a proposal for... I've got a proposal now for... Uh, Uh, yeah, but I took that proposal first, so I have to hear it. Uh, does that find a seconder? I'm happy to second from the chair. So we have a proposal in front of us for an approval, and that has a seconder. All those in favour, please show. That's for the acceptance of the motion for a... a one, two, three. All those against, please show. One, two, three, four... Any abstentions then? I have two abstentions. Okay. <laughs> I love this. Right. I, I, so right. Can, I, can, I, can I help? I think, Mr Brown. Um, I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of the abstentions here, but obviously it's, it, isn't being, it hasn't been a complete reversal of the previous vote. I would suggest that part of the concern seems to be about what the mitigation is in terms of how we're going to make the public access work. And uh, so... Um, so I, if you're not going to approve it and you're not going to refuse it, unless something can happen... From no, we're, the, we're now going to defer it. Yeah, I think you're going to suggest <coughs> that you're going to possibly potentially defer it. So I, I think we need to start developing the Section 106 package in terms of what that will actually bring Absolutely. in front of you. And that's what I was going to suggest. Mr Chairman, can we define Without the deferral at least like in that. terms of traffic and historic? Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm with you on this, so I'm not you know, against you. I, I'm, I think that there's some work that could be done that would make this come back and it would therefore be a more defined application. Okay, so are you happy to propose for a deferral? Yes. Right, does that find a seconder? Right, all those in favour of deferral, please show. One, two, three, four. Right, that item is deferred um, with the view to the developer to come back with some proposals on access and what's going to happen to those buildings and all the historical factors. When we talk about access, can we think of the safety of children and pavements, please? It, it will be the whole package, all right? I just think there's a little bit more work that can be done here to satisfy everybody. Chairman, when you're considering uh, this Section 106, may I suggest that you include at least one of the Lyang uh, timber huts because they are unusual. Yeah, the best one you preserve. Do you mean the ones on the, the eggplant? I mean the ones made out of wood. 
Okay, that item is closed. Thank you very much indeed. We're going to have just a five-minute adjournment before we move on. No, but it's split, so it's, you know...
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your patience. Uh, we'll move on to the second item, UTT 181708, full application at Thaxted Road. And for the record, Mrs. Denmark has left the room. Okay. Um, Luke, when you're ready. Thank you, Chairman. The site comprises approximately 1.9 hectares of undeveloped agricultural land to the west of Thaxted Road in Debden. The application is for planning permission to erect 36 dwellings, of which 14 would be affordable homes. A new access road off Thaxted Road would be formed and an area of public open space accommodating a drainage basin would be provided in the southern corner of the site. This slide shows the elevations of the houses which would face Thaxted Road and illustrates the traditional design approach. A footpath link would be provided along the western side of Thaxted Road, connecting the site to the village to the north. You will see from the supplementary representations sheet that the Parish Council has raised concerns regarding the ownership of the verge along Thaxted Road, which could affect the deliverability of the access and the footpath link. Ultimately, this is a separate legal question, which, though important for the delivery of the scheme, should not affect the decision on this application. That said, the Highway Authority has in this case confirmed that it has sufficient control over the land for the development to take place as proposed. It is recommended that planning permission be granted subject to the conditions and legal agreement described in my report. Uh, thank you, Luke. We have several speakers, so I'm going to start with Councillor Tina Knight. Uh, right, I'll take Jane Collins. Good afternoon. Jane, can you speak nice and close to the mic? Is that I, think, too, I think we've all been guilty of that. Is that working? Is that working? Yeah, that's better? Fine. Yeah, perfect. Talk across, over the top over of it. Top of it yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good afternoon. My name is Jane Collins and I live in Debden. In my view, and of many other people's view, the proposed site is of natural beauty. It is of agricultural land with views to Whittington with some of the most spectacular sunsets around the, in the area. These are enjoyed by both villagers and people passing through. I have seen on a number of occasions people stopping to take photos of the view and, and also of the wildlife activity that takes place. For example, red kites can often be seen hunting across this ground, this clearly showing a diversity in the wildlife inhabiting, and air, inhabiting the area both of predators and prey. The case officer has stated that in his opinion the area is not an attractive site. With respect, that is just his opinion and not incorporating the views and opinions of the people who live here. The general view within the village is that the proposed development mirrors that of a project likely to be found within a town or a city setting, not that of a small, quiet English hamlet. The proposed scale of the development is disproportionate to the size of Debden. I am not in opposition of, de of developing the village as I understand the ever-increasing need for housing that is present within the area and England as a whole. There has been a large amount of infill houses added to the village in recent times. These have, all carried out, these have all been carried out in a manner that has blended them into the feel of the village and not attracting too much attention. In stark contrast, I feel, to 36 
to a 36-house development in the centre of the village. As a final word, I would like to appeal to the committee to seriously consider their decision on this proposed development. There would be, there would be knock-on effects for the residents of Debden that I feel outweigh the benefits to the village in having a development of this size approved. The range of issues surrounding, would be surrounding parking, no, parking, noise, congestion and altering the dynamics of the village. People move into the, into the um, villages for their peace, quiet and charm and beauty. Should this development be approved, Debden could well lose the traits that appeal to so many. Thank you. <coughs> um, thank you. Thank uh, you. Christine Griffin. Christine, you also have three minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. My family home, Brownie House, borders this proposed site to the north, and I would like to raise the adverse effects this will have on our property, but also the impact this will have on a rural village in which I was born. Regulation 19 of the UDC Local Plan includes 25 properties in Deb 1. I was actually in this chamber on the 19th of June last year when the Council approved that. There is no mention of 36 properties in the 2005 or Regulation 19 local plan or the UDC housing trajectory. The proposal is outside the development limits, would represent an increase of 25% in the village envelope, which is totally out of proportion, and there is no demonstrable need for these as we already have had a considerable number of additional houses on garden sites and through infilling in the village. The design and density is crowded, completely out of keeping in a pretty rural village, not compatible with the village, and most of all contrary to policy S7, and will destroy one of the best rural views across the countryside. The proposal will have a harmful effect on properties to the north and the east, the properties in the east will dominate the street scene and there is no provision for any trees similar to the row of horse chestnuts at the front of Highfields. Last year, land to the rear of Rowney House, where I live, to the north, was granted planning permission in its half acre of garden at the back for two one-and-a-half-storey houses so they could enjoy the countryside. On your site visit this morning, you were able to witness that there is very little landscaping between this proposed development and where these new properties will be situated, and the majority of the existing trees will be removed when this is implemented. The case officer states at 11.5 that he considers the proposed layout responds well to the development at Highfields, but there is no mention of any new dwellings which will suffer a significant loss of amenity as there is no mention of any buffer or landscaping on the northern boundary. This is contrary to the statement in Regulation 19 Local Plan, which states that this site is designed to mitigate adverse effects upon existing residential and community interests and it, and it is even identified in the developer's landscape assessment where it is stated the effects would be moderate or high adverse. To conclude, the Parish Council, District Council and residents have all objected to this proposal 
and I hope the opinions of the local community will be taken into account. It will have a harmful effect on both neighbouring properties and the village, and I sincerely hope, at the very least, the planning committee will not renege on a decision made at your cabinet and council meetings on the 12th and 19th of June last year and reject this application. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Christine. Um, Chris Marshall. Good afternoon. My name is Chris Marshall and I'll be speaking about the aspect of sustainability with regards to this particular development. Can you just speak up a bit, Chris, across sure. the mic? Yeah? Um, the design document states that these properties are built to a sustainable design. Yet the fact is that not a single one of the proposed properties benefits from any form of renewable energy generation. There are none of the following on the entire urban estate. There's no solar hot water collectors, no solar panels for electricity, no ground source heat pumps for central heating. Furthermore, there's no mention of rainwater collection systems, despite the fact that the Campaign to Protect Rural England has stated that this development will put further strain on the local infrastructure, especially road capacity and water supply. All of the above failings will result in higher energy and water usage when both are currently in critical supply. Given that the houses in Wimbish, built by Hastos, used many sustainable designs from methodologies like Passive House, for example, ground source heat pumps, why should this private development not be held to at least the same standard? Why is this estate being proposed with an outdated fossil fuel burning gas-fired combi boiler system? So unfortunately, uh, the case officer's report does not shed any light on these critical points either. In section 10.1, entitled Resident Representations, local residents have highlighted many of these particular problems. Yet the response in section 10.2, item 25, dismisses all of these points as they would be assessed through the separate building regulations approval processes. So unfortunately, it looks as though this is just another big sink estate development that has been built to a basic specification and these houses will simply not be sustainable nor will they be energy efficient. Even more egregious, though, is that this estate is being built on prime agricultural land. Uh, it's a fact that's actually acknowledged under section 11.21 of the case officer's report. Indeed, 11.21 states that the site is grade two, which classes it as the best and most versatile agricultural land. Yet, even this key acknowledgement is dismissed as the development would not represent a significant breach of the MPPF and that some loss of land is inevitable. 
To summarise, this development is not suitable for this location. It will not benefit the village of Debden, its current residents, or the area in general, and it should be rejected. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Marshall. Uh, Ian Carter? You have three minutes. Thank you. Um, I've, lived in, um, I've lived in Debden um, most of my life. Um, it's acknowledged by the case officer Hamlet. Um, I support conservation um, and uh, proportionate and sympathetic development in keeping with rural character. Deb 1 um, and the proposal is neither a strategic priority or an exception site. The proposal is disproportionate, it's unsympathetic, unnecessary encroachment on open farmland. Uh, contrary to various policies, community, it, it will be community changing. Um, the decision is uh, not compatible with the Hamlet, and that contravenes um, poss- um, S7. Um, the error, the, the, um, there are a number of errors and uh, lack of due process in this application. Plans submitted in advance of the cancelled engagement events. Um, the developer's site office was moved into um, the area over a month ago. Um, and it's being seen by local people as a done deal. Um, This is open um, agricultural land outside of the development envelope under the current 2005 plan. The local plan consulted, current local plan consulted, on 0.8 hectares for 25 houses. This application is for 1.9 hectares and 36 houses. So all open space in the local plan can be doubled. The application conflicts with policies on on location, landscape, character, protected trees. We do not accept the subjective view um, that there is limited adverse impact on landscape character. Uh, People stop and enjoy and photograph sunsets over that site regularly, promoting mindfulness and well-being. The landscape and visual impact assessment states the majority of the site is is allocated in the local plan. Less than 50% is not a majority, nor is it on the edge of the village. Um, low to medium quality landscape terms that are quoted, the community do not agree. Uh, NPPF states valued landscapes are not only designated landscapes. The case officer report has various areas and subjective views. Um, he doesn't appear to have engaged with the actual local community for a balanced view. 6.1 states no planning history, that's not correct. EN8 ancient woodland, there's no consideration of this. Your own documents on the website state it's within 500 metres of ancient woodland. The Forestry Commission has not been consulted. EN15, air quality was not considered. The inspectors are asking the same of the local plan. It's within 250 metres of a primary school. What will be the impact of 36 homes burning fossil fuels, secondary heat sources likely to be log burners and solid fuel which are um, polluting? Temperature inversions can keep pollutants at ground level around the school. Traffic, deliveries, stationary idling vehicles will also add to harmful emissions and in particular particulates. Um, The statement um, from the Highways Authority at 9.1 is incorrect. Um, It also talks about two footways. I can only see any evidence of one footway um, and requires bus shelters. Um, It talks about 90 metres either side of the entrance being kept unobstructed at all times. How is that going to impact on local residents and how will it be achieved? Um, 10.2, 20, uh, 0.27, that statement is incorrect. 11.2, 
sweeps aside policies 7, S7 and H1, stating paragraph 78 to 79 override them and the local plan. Do the public and inspectors realise that the local plan can be so easily overridden? The harmful effect of building on agricultural land is covered by S7, and this is significant. Um, it's not in the area of designated landscape, according to um, 11.4, but as I've already said, there's case law that says valued landscape is not just designated landscapes. That mitigation statement is very misleading. Um, 11.7, the increased traffic previously evidenced... Um, um, what about the impacts of increased traffic and the previously evidenced flooding of listed buildings? 11.8, protected areas ne never form part of the uh, protected trees, sorry, never form part of the consultation because it was added later. 11.10, access to services, travel hubs, GPs, schools, they're all several miles away, there's no cycle paths. 11.11, 11 .11, that's incorrect. Taylor Bowie's survey is misleading. It was carried out on the 3rd of January with no school traffic and little business traffic. No mention has been made of agricultural traffic and associated lorries in the summer, and those movements are very significant at speed. Um, school buses have difficulty negotiating that area due to the volume of traffic, um, due to excess speed, um, right in the area of the planned development. I was nearly struck by a van at the planned location of the narrowing of the footpath um, that has re recently been proposed. Can I hurry you up, Mr Kerr? Yep, certainly. Um, the current, um, current footpaths for inadequate width and surface and create a hazard. They wouldn't accommodate double buggies or wheelchairs. Um, the report highlights danger to pedestrians being struck. Uh, nuisance from headlights, 11.18, and light pollution would be significant. That seems to have been ignored. Um, the site entrance will provide a turnaround point along that stretch of road for heavy goods vehicles with associated reversing alarms, etc., at various times of the day. Um, loss of agricultural lands breach of policy and in terms of the conclusions and responses the proposal does not accord with the development plan um, by virtue of location landscape protected trees um, it is a valued landscape as I've already mentioned um, at part B it is not sustained this is not sustainable for agricultural land with poor infrastructure what is limited adverse impact on landscape the demand for housing in Debden is questionable there will be no benefit for local people in fact quite the opposite there will be some quite heavy impacts through loss of countryside and infrastructure. Um, loss of rural character, agricultural land, impacts of flooding, um, strain on infrastructure outweigh the tilted balance, in my humble opinion. Um, the proposed development of two houses, uh, there was a pro proposed development of two houses rejected um, recently because they did not fit in with the rural character of the village. So how do 36 urban design houses on open farmland fit in? That's not consistent. Um, why is the development plan um, overridden in, in C? It makes a mockery of the local plan consultation. Um, all material considerations have not been considered, such as air quality, ancient woodland, light pollution. Can you wrap it up, Mr Carter, please? Yep, I'm you know, just sort of have these rules Sorry, for a I'm reason. Just um, overdevelopment, contrary to the rural character, um, this is overdevelopment, contrary to the rural char character of a medieval hamlet. And as I say, it will be community changing. And finally, um, I appeal to the committee to critically question the case officer report and recommendation in favour of a more proportionate growth of a beautiful village with more sustainable pattern uh, by rejecting this proposal. Sorry to take too much time. Thank you. Uh, Mr David Scott. 
Good afternoon. Three minutes, Mr. Scott. My property is in Highfields and it overlooks this particular plan that is proposed. The application purports to want to improve the living conditions of villagers in Debden, but in my opinion it does not and has not addressed the concerns raised by residents living in the immediate vicinity of the development and the rest of Debden. I urge you to reject it. It is contrary to policy S7 of the local plan which states in the countryside which will be protected for its own sake, planning permission will only be given for development that needs to take place there or is appropriate to a rural area. There will be strict control on new building. Development will only be permitted if its appearance protects or enhances the particular character of that part of the countryside. Point 11.2 of the committee officer's report acknowledges that the development does not accord with policies S7 and H1 on the location of housing. It notes that paragraph 78-79 take a less rigid representation, sorry, interpretation. However, my understanding is that exceptions would be expected to address the needs of rural workers, of whom there are very few in, in Debden, and of those that are unlikely to be able to afford to live in the proposed properties. Point 11.3 of the, re of the report acknowledges that the development is also in conflict with policy S7 and paragraph 170 of the NPPF, in that the introduction of housing to an undeveloped field would inherently have a harmful effect on the rural character of the area. In my opinion, the additional properties would also reduce amenity to residents in high fields, where I am, to the, to the north of the site, who will no longer be able to look out onto open fields, but onto a high-density estate that will obscure the open countryside now available to them. Point 11.4 from the committee officer's report states that the development will read as a natural extension to the village. This is not the case. It would be totally out of character with the village by introducing a high-density sink estate proposed. The, uh, the adjacent Highfields estate was built in the 1980s with less density housing than those proposed. It currently it becomes congested with cars and vans that restrict footpaths and other vehicle movements. This proposed development would be even more congested and not sympathetic in, to the character of Debden. Point 11.12 of the report states that there is parking for 99 vehicles. There is inconsistency in the size of the proposed parking spaces shown on the plans. This leads me to question whether the actual number of spaces accord with the Council's minimum residential parking standards. In point 99 of the committee officer's report, environmental health have identified the plans as a sizable development likely to cause noise and dust nuisance. In addition, in addition, there are a number of individuals who work shifts and would suffer sleep deprivation from lorry movements, removing earth and delivering to the site, as well as noise from workmen on site. The application identifies no plans to protect neighbouring properties from the disturbance, which will impact on them over the extensive build phase. Please reject this application. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Scott. Uh, Roger Forster. Mr. Forster, you also have three minutes. Sorry? You also have three minutes. Uh, no, five minutes. Three. Uh, so, uh, Parish Council have three minutes. Parish Council? 
Three minutes. Three. Councillor, it's, it's five for you, three for a parish councillor. Uh, good morning. My name is Roger Forster. I am here as Chairman of Debden Parish Council to represent the residents of Debden. In 1962, a proposal to build six bungalows on this land was put forward. The planners refused it on the grounds, and I quote, because it would constitute a ribbon development outside the building limits, create an additional traffic hazard, and fail to preserve the rural character of this area. Since then, the area in question has not changed much. The land is used for agriculture and the landscape is much the same as it has been for centuries. Of course, the traffic has increased exponentially. Uh, with reference to the report, reference 9-1, however, two things have changed since then. The verge that runs alongside the land was registered in 1976 is common land under CL370 by the Parish Council. Please refer to the supplementary list of representations dated the 20th of February 2019. <clears throat> In addition, these verges were also manorial wastes and the rights over them were transferred by the Lord of the Manor in 1981 to Debden Parish Council by deed of grant. The granting of right of access over the verge is therefore entirely the prerogative of the Parish Council, not highways. To date, no application has been made to the Parish Council by the applicant for road access or the extension to the existing footway. The existing footway was created in 1968 uh, by deed of grant from the Lord of the Manor to Saffron Walden Rural District Council. This granted permission to construct a footpath and a lay-by in order to create access for new bungalows on that side of Thaxted Road. Uh, report point 9.2 and 9.3. The second important change has been the increased frequency and severity of flooding that has taken place in recent times, probably influenced by global warming that have affected some properties in Rookend Lane, below the site. Indeed, one resident of this lane objected to any development on this side of Thaxted Road on the grounds that his property had been subject to many flood events within the last 10 years, with two significant and extremely costly flood events in the last five years. Charlotte Smith, the flood investigation engineer from Essex County Council, has confirmed in writing that the property had suffered on many occasions from overland flow due to water not being able to get into the local watercourses and instead flowing across the local fields towards the property. Uh, report point 7.1. Another issue of great concern to the Parish Council is the inexplicable reason why the planning department following a pre-planning meeting with the architect and the landowner have agreed to consider an application for 36 dwellings when only 25 have been allocated in the Regulation 19 local plan under policy DEB 1 for this site. So what is the point in having a local plan if the planners do not stick to it? In June 2018, the Parish Council organised 
two presentations by the architects to the residents of Debden so that they could express comments and concerns on the development before submission to the planning department. However, the architects went ahead and submitted the plans for 36 houses before the first presentation without informing the council. Following those presentations, the PC held an open meeting for the village, which was well attended, and a summary of the comments were received and sent to the planning officer in September 2018. Since that time, no further communication has been received from the architects to the parish council addressing these concerns, which, which, we, do, which we do not believe have been adequately dealt with. We therefore request the committee take these points made into consideration and reject this application. Thank you. Um, before I start, I'm Sam at a slight disadvantage uh, because I've not been able to see the CPRE's report. Can I ask if the planning committee has, has received copies of that? We've only just received it ourselves. Oh, right. Frank as officers. So, um, I'm sure For your information, this was emailed to us all, I believe, late last night. I yes, think that's when I saw it. So. That were likewise, because they'd only just got news of this uh, application. Um, so I think it's an 11th hour job run, and I haven't read it either. I'm sure it will be on our side of, of hoping for rejection. I just live in hope. Okay, your point is now. Thank you. And could I thank Councillor Loughlin um, for deciding which plan we were working to, which was the reason I wanted to speak last, because I've had to rewrite, so I might make a pig's ear of this, because I've had to switch from the new local plan back to the old local plan. Okay, when thank you're ready. You. Um, I should like to state, first of all, that we're not NIMBYs in Debden. We understand the need for housing and growth. That is pointed out by the Highfields Affordable Development being a prime example. Since 2017, we have built and are constructing 20 houses with a further 10 applications in the pipeline. This has been done mainly with infill and case officers carefully controlling sympathetic designs and where people can easily integrate with the village. This district needs smaller homes, this district needs affordable homes, and when I mean affordable homes, when a developer says to me, all our homes are affordable, there's not one over £650,000, I don't think they've got the message. Um, this scheme is totally disproportionate for the size of the houses. Um, new houses in the countryside have an intense local impact and old mistakes should not be repeated. Government is at present relooking the situation with rural development because they have had over half a million applications for building on greenfield sites and they are realising that they need to revisit this situation. I am um, going to run quickly through things as I had to change things, but basically what has concerned me is the uh, many different aspects of the report. 
the planning application was put in before presenting to the residents, which is appalling. Two meetings were advertised for the residents to see this development, and when people turned up for the Saturday meeting, they found that architects had gone home early. You have letters of complaint about this. The applicants were disingenuous about their response to the flood questions, stating there was no problem. You have written responses to the contrary. Indeed, there have been many floods. Um, uh, they were aware of the new local plan, but that obviously is not relevant now because in the current local plan there is no um, plans for any housing of this magnitude. As you heard, the proposal is being built on prime agricultural greenbelt land outside of the build envelope, which is a breach of the policy S7. This also states you know, it should be for the benefit of the residents. I'm afraid this is not for the benefit of the residents, more for the benefit of the landover and developers. The developers moved containers in several weeks ago and material has been delivered, which has caused me a great headache because locals were saying, well, it's already not been nodded through. What's the point of opposing this? I'm sure you saw the tractors when you were there and the tractors that have been moved in front of this. Surely, Mr. Brown, um, an enforcement notice should be issued. This contravenes ULP policies S7 General 2 and the aims of the NPPF as this proposal would increase the village envelope by 25%. I hope the people judging this are listening. 25%, which will have a huge impact on the village. It will be community changing. Having been informed that they had ignored the safety of the residents leaving the sink estate as there was no footpath, they have retrospectively added a two metre wide path which will make the highway even narrower at some points and it will involve cutting down landscape trees, one of which is perilously close to one with a TPO on it. They have not bothered to apply for permission for access. In addition to the manorial rights and the fact that the parish council are of a mind to refuse access, it is also common land and only the Secretary of State can grant this permission. Has this been sought? Have you got permission from the Secretary of State to access to this? Whilst I have every sympathy with case officers in this current climate, I have some issues with the case officers' report. A great deal of it is subjective. It does not reflect local or national planning policies. He actually concedes this in his submission. It's sort of a bit like my doctor. Okay, it's wrong, but not enough to worry about. And then comes the oops bit. But hopefully, after the oops bit, they can fix me. If there's an oops in this plan, and if it is passed, it can't be fixed, and the village and future generations will have to live with it. There's been talk from about a, a balancing pond to offset the floods. Who knows if it worked? But the difficulty is, Stansted Airport said that this must be dry, to stop wild fowl coming near, and yet I think it's going to be very wet, so perhaps that needs to be looked at more carefully. The path and access is not under control of either highways or on the landover, and permission will not be given. The thing that concerns me most 
is Regulation 19 states that total dwellings to be provided in A and B villages plus other small villages should be a maximum of 134 houses. If this average was spaced around the villages, it would equate to probably three to four houses a village. I do not think that any single village in this district would object to that number of houses being added to their village. But what the, our small hamlet is being expected to take is nearly 30% of the whole district's allocation. Is this fair? I implore you to consider the future of our countryside. We can build the 25 houses in Debden, and we will build the 25 houses in Debden if that is what the local planners want. But let us do it with infill. Let us not take up precious agricultural land and greenfield. Let us make it small, eco-friendly, sustainable settlements with sympathetic designs so that we can grow as a community without destroying the very reason most of us chose a rural option to that of a more urbane one. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Councillor Knight. Um, final speaker is Mr. Stephen Boddy, if I pronounced that right. Uh, you have up to 21 minutes, Stephen. Right, I don't know whether In I response, you won't like need that. that. Um, right, thank you. All right, I'm Stephen Boddy, BBR Architects. Uh, the application before you uh, is a result of two years' planning, initially by council officers within the Call for Sites programme. Uh, then promoted by the council itself in the local plan as being suitable for new housing. Debden, as you will know, will, will be aware, is typical of many Essex villages in that there is insufficient affordable housing for local needs. Young people are moving away, facilities are closing, and local schools have insufficient pupils to fill their classes, as has Debden's. It is essential that these villages are to survive with their facilities intact. There must be suitable housing for all. This application is proposed by local developers who understand the problems of modern village life. It is in their interest, as well as the villagers of Debden, to create an environment that benefits all. The mix of housing within the new development has been established in conjunction with council housing officers based on established need, a range of one-bedroom flats through to two-bedroom bungalows with access, with access facilities to three-bedroom, five-person family homes, all affordable. The housing layout is relaxed and the architecture is traditional. With the use of good quality materials and an extensive landscape scheme, this development will soon blend into the village scenery. A sophisticated sustainable drainage system is designed to control surface water and alleviate surges during the rainfall periods, gradually releasing water when levels subside. All dwellings have on-plot car parking with visitors' spaces in excess of the, town's, sorry, the council's guidelines. Essex highways have been continually consulted and have designed and has agreed the layouts in terms of traffic generation, traffic manoeuvrability and pedestrian access. We would ask that you support this application and thank your officers for the assistance during the design process. 
Thank you. <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Bodie. Am I pronouncing your name right? Is it Bodie or Body? Body. Sorry about that. <coughs> okay. Um, that's the last of the speakers. Uh, so it's open to the committee. I'll start with Councillor Lochlin and then Councillor Fairhurst, and then Councillor Riles. Um, well, firstly, uh, the body, is it, did quote the new local plan, uh, and if you want to quote the new local plan, you should be correct, because that actually says there are 25 uh, in the new local plan. Not, excuse me. It's not a debate. Not a debate, no, not 36, 25, but uh, I'm not quoting the new local plan, it was you. Um, I am concerned because I do believe that this does breach policy S7, which is one of our strongest policies, and that, I think it was already quoted, uh, buildings that don't need to be there. And also, uh, as the officer says, it's contrary to paragraph 170 of the MPPF. And the MPPF, as most people in planning know, is the planner's bible. So that actually, those two things actually worry me the most about this. The agricultural land, I don't think we can take too much note of because most of Uttlesford land is uh, grade two and that has come up on several occasions and I don't think that would stand up uh, appeal. Um, and uh, it says mitigating factors include the fact that the site is not an area of designated landscape value. Well, very few of the developments that we build or have given permission for uh, have been on sites uh, that aren't designated uh, landscape value. So I don't think really we can take too much notice of that either. So, uh, as I said, um, and, and he also says it is concluded that the proposal conflicts with the above policies insofar as they relate to landscape character and protected trees. Well, I, I am very concerned uh, that this does breach policy S7 and I think if we keep breaching policy S7 we will have speculative development all over Uttlesford until the local plan is in place so I would not be in favour and I do not think I can vote for this thank you thank you Mr Chairman a couple of questions and, and, and points to ponder here um, the, the, the one that worries me most, I'm afraid, is, is the random discussion about affordables, which you never seem to nail on the head. We need to define, I know that our definition of affordable is rather obtuse, basically that if sort of 80% of the going rate is affordable, which it isn't. Um, but there are a number of issues here. We have to really got, got to get down to it. Affordable does not mean a small one-bedroom bungalow with a tiny bathroom. It means a house that a normal person can live in that is relatively affordable in that environment. The second thing that I worry about, and I'm going to keep on worrying about, is that those little affordables in the top right-hand corner, they're in a cluster. And Councillor Lockett and myself don't like that. Just don't like that. That's wrong. And I'm going to make a point of it, and keep on making a point of it until it gets sorted out. I don't care what the housing officer says. We don't want to create little, little corners where affordable houses live. That's just not right. Another question I have here is the question of parking. I mentioned at the site today. We don't like tandem parking either. It's wrong. It's not real parking. It's parking in front of other cars. Don't know why it's allowed. Another question which you have to make a point of, we don't even get to S7 yet, is this verge ownership. I think at least just make sure we can conditionalise the process if we go ahead with it, that we are capable of building and delivering the creature. If that verge ownership in fact is in doubt, we need to fix that. And then the final thing before I get, over, get rid of my grass is this question about tractors already there. That's just wrong. 
That's just wrong. We have no purpose of being here. Even if we listen to all the experts, let's go through the process, let's pretend. That's just wrong. The other issue I've got is if, if, it, if it's as is stated that the emerging local plan says 25 houses, why do we even discuss 20 and 36 houses? Are we not taking this thing seriously? Are we working cross purposes? One hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing? And then finally, I'm afraid I do agree. Overdevelopment is obviously an issue here, and I think if you come with 25 houses, we'd be minded to look at it and say it's fine. It's not about density, it's about committing, sticking to what we first said. And then I must agree totally with Councillor Lachlan that S7 is a problem, a real problem here. Councillor Riles and then Councillor Freeman and then Councillor Lemon. Um, I agree with the previous speakers. S7 is the paramount thing for me. Um, I don't believe that we should be... I mean, just if, we, if you just walked around on the site visit today, it just struck me what a beautiful part of the world that is. Um, it really is. And um, we shouldn't be spawning it by plonking 36 whatever houses on it, uh, fundamentally. So I think that goes against policy except S7. ENV5, I know, is the loss of agricultural land, and I know we're very agricultural around here, and it says that it make, doesn't make a significant difference or dent in it. Of course I know, but every little bit does make a dent, I think. So we should be concentrating more on brownfield sites, proper brownfield sites, I should add, you know, that are identifiable. Um, affordable homes relates to um, the... How much it costs is uh, an affordable home is where you can rent it for 80% of the market rate. It's not it's nothing to do with market value houses. There's still rented houses. But so again, your definition of affordable, I, I agree with. But the fact that another thing that comes across to me is a they're, they're trying to build bigger houses than um, the local, the actual village planning say it suggests, um, and the lack of consultation with everybody. They're not talking to the parish council before they're going ahead with this. Um, so that smacks to me of arrogance or ignorance uh, by maybe, excuse my, my phraseology, but I think that's probably appropriate in this case. I think if you're a developer, you should try and bring people along with you and not just you know, ignore the wishes of what people want. So, but finally, I think that um, this is fundamentally contrary against S7, and I would like to propose that we reject this application. And may I have a seconder, please? You can, but I'm going to park that. Just to let's finish the debate first, OK? Um, and I will come back to you with that before I do anything else. Uh, Councillor Freeman, then Councillor Lemon. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, I think much of uh, what I would say has been said already, so that's, that's good. Uh, however, the, the question arises, this is 36 dwellings, and the officer's recommendation is go ahead with it. Uh, and the feeling that I'm detecting from this chamber is that actually that's far too many, 25 might be different. Now we're not allowed to consider the emerging local plan because it hasn't come yet. So it's the old local plan. Just confirm, you, you don't disregard the emerging local plan, it just has some weight. It's just not I, I, the adopted I, local I'm, plan. I'm because sorry, if you Chair, turn around and say we can't regard the yeah, current local plan, okay. then you're not making a... Sorry, it's a mixed message all the time. Thank I you, know. Chairman. I, I, I have read a lot of theology and it is quite similar to that, that you balance off this against the other and whatever but I, even I have, have challenges with this um, but it, it seems to me there's a litany of contradictions because there's a lack of two bedroom houses, there aren't any two bedroom houses but then that's alright because the schmar or whatever it is, says that that's what the, uh, yes, schmar the strategic housing market assessment says that actually we don't need any, so it's okay. Uh, 
we only need to build three and four and five plus size houses, which these all are. Now, we all know that's rubbish, but hey, it's there in black and white. 36, far too many. Uh, Essex Design Guide, I know we haven't signed up to that, but it often finds its way into our discussions and our councils. If you look at the Essex Design Guide, it gives four or five, I can't remember how many, uh, street scenes. Uh, and that one there is actually an urban street scene. It is not a village street scene. That is putting an urban patch of housing into the centre of a village and hoping that you might get away with it, just so you can pack the houses in and charge however much for them. Uh, and they'll say, oh, of course, why wouldn't they? It's a village. You know? But that is an urban street scene. Go and look at the Essex Design Guide. I can show you the pictures if you don't believe me. In fact, you've been showing them several times by our own officers. So there we are. Um, balancing Pond worries me. About one-fifth of that site is taken up by the Balancing Pond and the uh, feed-ins to it. The thing about Balancing Ponds is they look ugly in the first place. They fill up with water, which is fine, but then you can't have them full of water because of the proximity to the airport, and you might get ducks landing on them, and fair enough. So there's, arguably, that should have been a, a SUDS, a sustainable underground drainage system, if you can't have a balancing pond that actually works. And what I've been told is you can't have one that works because it might interfere with flights. So it's strange. And you have to fence them off, of course, when they have got water in them, they're a hazard to young children. And so they look unsightly all of the time, and they've got a fence around them which has to be maintained because nobody must go into them. It's an odd arrangement. Um, there's, there's a lot more that one could mention on here, but basically the whole thing is significantly flawed. Uh, and I find particular difficulty with 10.2, uh, part 25... Why it's 25, I can't quite see, but still. Um, it says that uh, the issues of, I think, uh, energy efficiency, this would be assessed through separate building regulations approval process, which is true. That's given as a cop-out, Chairman, every time we get one of these reports. Nothing to do with us building regs. Now, that would be fine if there was a building regulations committee, but there isn't. As a planning committee, we're it. But actually, there's no building regulations committee. And the enforcement of building regulations and the interpretation of them is something which we have to take as read. We don't have any part of that. The elected representatives have no input to that. We assume that people get it right. Uh, and as one of the speakers very cogently pointed out, there are no energy-saving measures on here other than whatever the minimum regs are at the moment that this is consented. There are no solar panels, there's no water, there's no this, no that and the other. Okay, it'll have cavity wall insulation. It will not have mechanically assisted ventilation with heat recovery, which is the thing you seriously need to go down to. And you've got that just down the road in this village from uh, uh, development, I think, by uh, a, a housing association which specialises in this. It has mechanically assisted ventilation with heat recovery. And you get, uh, you end up with a house which you can heat for £5 a year. These won't have that. They haven't got it. It's not specified. And building regulations don't require it. But I do think that's a cop-out, and I wish they wouldn't do it. So S7, 2005 vintage S7. Thank you for that. We'll stick with that. And as far as I'm concerned, if this was half the number of houses, it might be okay. If there wasn't an urban scene being dropped into a village, it would be okay. 
getting rid of the balancing pond would be a good thing. There's other ways of doing it. But actually, I, I'm not going to vote in favour of this. I'm sorry, Chairman. <coughs> we got there in the end, then, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chairman. Just to note that an uh, email from the CPRE Essex, they say we are in agreement with the list of objections raised by the Parish Council. <coughs> Thank you. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. I, th I think I can see the way this is going, and uh, I have to say I'm completely in agreement with it. Um, however, um, it's going to come back. So, so I have a number of questions, some of which are rhetorical. The first one is definitely rhetorical, and it's been mentioned before, and it's to the planning department. When, when it's included in a plan for 25 houses, why on earth do we talk and negotiate with developers for a much larger number? Um, you must know what the committee is going to think. Can you please bear that in mind for the future? Also then to bear in mind for the future, some of these mentioned before, the green credentials of the building, they need to be improved, a village scene, not, a, not an urban scene, tandem parking, we hate tandem parking, we detest it in the countryside, it's stupid, get rid of it, uh, if and when this comes back again. Um, I have one question, though, that I would like answering. Um, my, my elementary sums say that this is going to generate somewhere of the order of £14 million for the developer. Could I ask what negotiations has the planning department had with the developer for providing um, some community benefit for the village for this? Uh, I understand they'd quite like a new village hall. Did we talk to them about that? Um, and I'll just, after that's been answered, I'll come back with one more point, if I may. Do you want to handle that one? Just it's the usual stuff. I think I do this monthly. Um, Section 106 packages are mitigation for the development upon the impact of the instruction. It is not a case of what you can get out of a developer, unfortunately. And so, therefore, they still have to pay towards affordable housing. They still that contribute towards affordable housing. We would have consulted education in terms of whether there was any requirements for education. And that is it. That is the mitigation levels. Anything else would not be still compliant. There is no requirement for them to provide issues. It doesn't stop the developer and must admit from, from the discussions I'm hearing about the community engagement has, has been, appears to have been quite poor in terms of, in terms, some terms of the issues. That could have raised some other issues whereby they could have had side agreements and that doesn't sound as bad as it sounds for a developer to have a discussion with the parish council and say we know this is not still compliant but maybe we can do this, maybe we can do that. Uh, but the answer to your question is none because we are concealed by, we are constrained by still compliance when, when seeking section 106 contributions. It has to be still compliant and it has to be mitigation for the development. Well, I, I did say I'd like to come back, and so maybe then I can extend my questions to the, uh, to the developer as well, wherever he is. Um, may, maybe he'd like to think about uh, a better consultation and what the village actually wants. Though, then just one specific point when it comes back, and my colleague on the left mentioned this about the footpath. Also, when and if it comes back, I think we need an absolute cast iron condition that that footpath will and can be put in place as a, as a, as a, as a cast iron condition of, the, uh, of, of any future agreement. Thank you. Clarification, if the uh, footpath isn't put in place, then the development wouldn't go ahead. Okay. Um, Right, if everybody's had their say. Oh, Councillor Freeman, just before I wrap it up. Yes, very briefly, thank you. Um, but we need instruction in this. Is 
Very often I hear this thing, it's not SEAL compliant. Now, does SEAL stand for Community Infrastructure Levy, or is it an acronym for something else? No, the SEAL does, sound, does, sound, does stand for that, but the Section 106 contributions are constrained by the SEAL regulations. It's a completely confusing way of doing it, but when you do a Section 106 contributions, they are dictated to by the, every single contribution, so it, it avoids anything involving trying to buy a planning permission. It has to be related to the development and it has to be mitigation. And, uh, and 36 houses would not in itself justify contributions to a, to a village hall. It doesn't stop a developer speaking to the parish council and the local community in terms of what can we do, what, how can we help you out, but it should not be subject to this room granting planning permission or not. I, I, I thoroughly agree that that's, but, but it's a confusing, but it's still dictated to by the seal regulations, even though it's still section 106. Okay, in that case, I've got in my ward, in Saffron Warden, two playing fields, which will be excellent playing fields, a full-size football pitch and a junior pitch, which when uh, they're in a fit state to be handed over to the Town Council, that will happen from the developer, and that was on Section 106 money. Now, there's no way that you can conceive of playing fields being necessary to mitigate the damage or whatever impact on the community. So how did we get those? Can we take that one offline? I, I know the point you're making, yeah, but I'll we'll be here all week if we carry yeah, on with all the issues that you have. Uh, so I'm going to wrap this up now. Um, to my mind, this is overdevelopment. If we were doing it, we'd have to hold to the 25. I notice Stephen Miles is in the room, so I'm going to ask you, Stephen, just to clarify um, the 150 units that Tina Knight mentioned, uh, which is the contribution from the villages outside of the A and B, I believe was outside of the allocation that was already made whereby this site would have 25. Is that correct? Can you say that again? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Councillor Knight mentioned that there was 150 or so allocated in the... Uh, right, you're with me? Right. I believe that 150 is outside of the allocation that would have included the 25. I don't have a copy of the plan with me. It's going to isn't it? <clears throat> 134. Okay, I was, you know, okay. All right, I, it was a moot point anyway. Um, just in wrapping up here, there's a couple of things I'd like to say. Councillor Riles made a point that we should be building on brownfield sites. You've all just sat here and heard us reject one. Point made, okay? Okay. Uh, we have a requirement to build thousands of houses and we have to build them somewhere. We would also like them to be built to the standards that Councillor Freeman is talking about but at the moment the legislation is not there for us to enforce that, however much some of us would really like to see the building regulations strengthened. Okay, um, I have uh, a motion to reject this, I think, from Councillor Riles. I think I have a seconder from there. Can I just confirm that's on the basis of S7? Excuse me. No, no, no. Sorry, and uh, paragraph 14 of the MPPF. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, I, yeah. Same, same. 11. Yeah, well, no, I want that yeah. put in because yeah. that will... For the inspector's sake. Whereas if this came forward for 25, we'd be looking at this differently and with a different layout, not urban, not tandem parking, lots of other things. Okay. All those in favour of refusal, please show. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eric? Abstain. Abstain. Okay. That item is refused. Thank you very much. You propose.
yeah, but we're, we're here to do the job properly. They'll be dealt with very quickly. People clear the room. If you could shut the door, Richard, please. Thanks. Thank you very much indeed. Um, the next item on the agenda is UTT 182899, full application Adair Parsonage Downs Great Dunmo. Uh, we did drive past this this morning. Councillor Theobald, Councillor Clive Theobald, to take us through it. When you're ready, Mr. Theobald. Thank you, Chair. This application relates to the erection of four dwellings, market dwellings, aimed at the self-build and custom-build housing market with associated on-plot parking with vehicle access from Burman Hill and is a resubmission proposal without change to refused application UTT 171967FUL for the same development. The proposed dwellings are shown, I'll just go through the elevation of treatment, that is uh, plots one and two handed, that's plot three, a bungalow, or, uh, sorry, that's uh, one last story, and uh, plot four, bungalow. Um, there'd be a, a mixture between three and four bedroomed uh, dwellings within a traditional style and each uh, uh, plot would have dedicated parking either in the form of garaging or on-plot hard standings. Whilst the existing parking for the donor dwelling Adair, which you can see in the top uh, left-hand corner, would be reassigned. The existing access drive across the frontage greensward uh, would remain. I have to point out there is an error in the report where it said it would be widened to a maximum of five metres. That's not correct after getting confirmation from the, the applicant developer. The five metres width is a reference to the, the service road extending from the back of the green sward uh, into the site which is uh, in grey. So the existing uh, driver would remain at um, its existing width, but with an improved bellmouth uh, arrangement, as you can see uh, from this plan. I'll just go through, and that's a lorry tracking plan with the new bellmouth arrangements in place. And this bellmouth was approved by a previous application I'll just show you the entrance arrangements. Members went past the site, so you'll be familiar with the uh, existing terrain. The development would have a density of nine dwellings per hectare, which is low. The proposal is considered to be acceptable in that the housing scheme would make more effective use of previously developed land as a deliverable small to medium self-build, custom-build housing development. 
at an existing residential location on the northern edge of the town, whereby officers consider that the benefits of the proposed development significantly and demonstrably outweigh the adverse impacts of refusing the proposal in the tilted planning balance, including impacts on highway safety, heritage and residential amenity. Therefore, it is the further view of your officers that paragraph 11 of the MPPF is engaged for the purposes of decision-taking, whereupon the proposal represents a presumption in favour of sustainable development when assessed against the MPPF as a whole. The report therefore recommends that the application be approved, subject to appropriate conditions and subject to a unilateral undertaking being made by the applicant relating to self-build, custom-build housing, which has now been received by the Council. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Mr Theobald. Uh, we have about five speakers, and I will start with uh, Mr Morris Panel, if I've got your name right, Mr Panel. You have three minutes. Thank you thank, very much. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, good. Right, uh, thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Councillors, for giving me three minutes to speak on this. Our property is situated immediately to the north-northwest of Adair. It's Downs Cottage, marked on the slide. Um, we share about a 50-metre-long boundary uh, in a zigzag shape with Adair. Uh, we are objecting to this application because, in the context of the Great Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan, our view is that these houses are both unnecessary and the proposed location is unacceptable. The GDMP has been accepted and signed off by both Dunmo Town Council and Uttleford District Council. This plan was over four years in the making and is only just over two years into its operation. What is a neighbourhood plan for if it is not to protect, provide and sustain that neighbourhood in a way that is acceptable and understandable to the local community, being the taxpayers and the voters in the local community? Of course, in doing so, it has to accept and honour obligations imposed upon it in the wider interest. But Dunmo has done this as evidenced by the development of not tens, not twenties, not hundreds, but thousands of new homes which are already agreed as part of the GDMP. They haven't been built yet, but they're already scheduled. If the committee approves this application that has already been turned down once, it will drive a coach and horses through the GDMP. Without doubt, approval of this application will create an obvious precedent for future applications in and around what I would argue is an already beleaguered Great Dunmo in terms of rampant development. Reasons put forward by the developers and their associates are both subjective and highly technical and based on exploiting any areas of conflict which they interpret as existing between the old and outdated local plan the National Planning Framework and the GDMP. In contrast, they show little or no details as to how the inevitable disruption, noise, pollution and loss of privacy 
which will be suffered by neighbouring properties will be mitigated. I could elaborate, for example, time permitting, but it doesn't, on the impact during construction of contractors' lorries negotiating the 12-metre section of gravelled single-lane site access, which is barely three metres wide. As um, Mr Theobald mentioned, it's five metres at the Belmouth and narrows considerably as it goes past the end of our property. And obviously, when that development is finished, there will be potentially a five-fold increase in traffic movements up and down the same stretch because the access has not changed. But these are not issues for today. The issue is, if you have a plan, be prepared to fight for it when it's under threat. And this is under threat. Parsonage Downs is a conservation area, not an urban area. Both it and its environments deserve the protection afforded by the principles of the GDMP, and I urge the committee to uphold these principles, not be swayed by the applicant having already lodged an appeal, and to refuse again this application. Thank you for your attention. Uh, thank, you. thank you, Mr. Powell. Um, Leslie Page. Okay. Um, good afternoon to everyone. I'd like to uh, reiterate and back up um, everything that Mr Gibson has just said. And rather than be very long-winded, I should keep this short and sweet. <laughs> it's getting quite late in the afternoon, isn't it? Um, I'd just like to say that I'm speaking on behalf of uh, properties number four, six and ten Beaumont Hill, as I actually own all three properties. Um, I live at number four, which is a Grade 2 listed thatch cottage. I don't see in any of the plans any consideration for the views and the impact that these four development houses will have on the view from my cottage, which has been there for, I don't know, 400 years now. Um, no one has actually given me any information about the plans, the access. Um, I'd like to make a point about the school, which is Helena Ramans. The children that walk along that pavement will have to cross that main access road where they are proposing to send lorries and developments and further cars. Um, I find that a, a very big health and safety issue. Um, I also have concerns over... What is a self-build? What does this actually mean? How long would the properties take to build? I don't, you know, I don't have any information on that either. Um, there's the visual impact on the immediate landscape. From the back of my house, at the moment, all I do is overlook farmers' fields. Uh, there's something about the uh, height of earth being moved um, there's, there's a query about whether the four proposed houses would actually be higher than the roof of my thatch cottage. Um, so that's something I'm concerned about. And finally, drainage, fencing, privacy for all of the houses, including number eight, who um, can't be here today. That's it, thank you. Uh, thank you, uh Mrs. Page. Um, Marjorie Banks? I'm doing well. 
I'm sorry, it's I've right, got Marjorie written here. No, how you spell it. No, it's, just... it's not Marjorie Banks, but it's. No, no they'll do anything to make me look an idiot, honestly. I know it doesn't take a much. My wife but, gets that uh, all the time, so. Um... You will not believe what they get up to. No, no I, I do know that. Mr. Banks, when you're ready. Um, no, Marsh Banks. My name is Marsh Banks, spelt Marjorie Banks. That's all. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get there in the end. Um, Francis Marshbanks, I, um, I own the property at the northeast corner of the uh, development. And um, my, main, uh, my main points around the development relate really to uh, the neighbourhood plan. As we know, the neighbourhood plan established um, in Great Dunmo, which is one of the very few places that has established one in the, in the area, are a very important part of government strategy for making sure that local people have a, a very strong say in, uh, in local planning. Um, the original concept, of course, as you all know, was that when a planning com uh, application conflicts with a neighbourhood plan, that that planning permission should not normally be granted. The government, though, became very concerned about the fact that um, neighbourhood plans were being overridden by council when considering these applications, normally because councils like our own couldn't demonstrate a five-year supply of a, a building site. And so what they were up against, developers with deep pockets who went against the uh, local councils, and so a number of these developments uh, were, were actually um, uh, took place because we couldn't uh, fight against them. Um, now, in my mind, there was no question that the, in order to reaffirm the importance of these uh, neighbourhood plans, the government in fact confirmed that, that if certain conditions were met, then um, the adverse uh, impact on the house of, that, of a development uh, would, be in, uh, would naturally be in conflict with and uh, outweigh the, um, the development. One of those, one of those uh, applications or those conditions related to the, the age of the neighbourhood plan and, the, and, and or the government statement. Now, the original application was made in uh, July 2017 and was refused in, in uh, January 2018 as it was in conflict with the neighbourhood plan. The developer waited until the two-year criterion could be negated and resubmitted the plan in October 2018, which was exactly the same plan was, that had been submitted and rejected in the, in the first place. The plan was rejected, and I still be believe it should be still rejected, on, on two counts. One, it's outside the town development area. Dunmo went through a process of getting its neighbourhood plan. It established the town development area. It established where in, in, the, um, in the town that the development should take place. And as we all heard from uh, Maurice Pennell, that there is a lot of development taking place in Dunmo. So it's not as if we're not accepting our full share of, of obligations. The other thing was the location in the Chelmer Valley and the requirements of planners to conserve the cross-valley uh, cross views. Now, there is no disagreement by any party that the development is outside the town development area and is in the countryside. With regard to the impact on the cross-Chelmer views, uh, the planners, uh, your planners, do not believe that there is an impact because of so-called uh, dense planning on the, um, the right-hand side there, which is the east side of that uh, boundary. Now, that is not correct because the largest of the houses, uh, both in uh, height and in size, will be built in that boundary. Presumably, 
for the sole reason that they will benefit from the sights uh, and the views of the Chalmer Valley St Mary's Church from that property. So that property will be perfectly visible from the valley and will certainly detract from and change the, uh, the view from the uh, Chelmer Valley. As there is no dispute that the development is at odds with key aspects of the neighbourhood plan and there is no dispute that the government feel that neighbourhood planning is a very important vital part of local planning, I urge the committee to uphold their original decision and refuse the planning application. How can a decision taken in January 2018 on the basis that a development conflicts with the neighbourhood plan and significantly and demonstrably outweighs benefits be turned around by a sleight of hand one year later? Should this committee approve this planning application, I fear there will be a flood of applications and Great Dumbo will be unable to resist those development areas where the local people have decided that they are not appropriate for development. I believe that local democracy will be severely impaired if this, division, if this decision creates a precedent and allows development to take place in the contravention of the, the neighbourhood plan. So I urge you to fight for the plan. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr Marchbanks. Three. Um, Daniel Frost, Great Dumbo Town Council. Danielle, sorry. Danielle. I've got good names for that. Uh, yes, I'm Danielle Counsel uh, Councillor Danielle Frost and I'm speaking on behalf of Great Dumbo Town Council. The Town Council strongly objects this to this application on three grounds. Reasonable weight should be afforded to the Great Dunmore na Neighbourhood Plan. The Town Council disagrees with the weight afforded on sustainability grounds and the provision of four self-build plots. And thirdly, the garden land of Adair is not previously developed land and should not be built on. Item 1. The application clearly, clearly conflicts with Uttersford's saved S7 countryside policy. It falls outside the GDNP town development area, DS1, and conflicts with the GDNP policy LSC3, the Chelmer Valley. We note the detailed guidance outlined in the officer's report where UDC's legal services and planning policy advised on the interpretation of paragraph 14 of the NPPF. The advice concludes that in paragraph 14 of the NPPF, A does not apply, but B, C and D do apply. In paragraph 9.5 of the officer's report, UDC legal services response is... Were the only debatable element to be the age of the GDNP, then I would have suggested that it could still be given reasonable weight. This confirms that the GDNP has reasonable weight, and not modest weight, as the officer concluded in paragraph 12a of his report. Matter 2. We disagree with the applicant's case that it is in a highly sustainable location. The site is within walking distance of Helen Romano Secondary School and the Leisure Centre, but is one mile from the High Street, one mile from the nearest primary school at High Style, and the nearest bus stop is in Stortford Road, 0.9 miles from the site. The Town Council disagrees that significant weight should be afforded to the provision of plots for self-build. In May 2018, UDC approved UTT 17-3623-DFO to a site for 22 self-builds in St Edmunds Lane, Great Dumbo.
The fact that there has been no activity on the site in the last nine months since details were approved is evidence of the lack of demand for self-build plots in Great Dunmo. Item three. The officer states in his conclusion 12A that the proposal would make more effective use of previously developed land. However, this is garden land and residential gardens are exempt in the definition of previously developed land as stated on page 70 of the NPPF. In conclusion, we consider that there are no benefits from building four homes on this site that would outweigh the significant harm to the countryside and important Chelmer Valley landscape area. We ask you to refuse this application, as you did in January 2018, and to give proper regard to our neighbourhood plan. I thank you for your time and for taking the Town Council's views into consideration. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Um, Mr. Bill Bampton. Mr. Bampton, you have 12 minutes. Thank you. I'm Bill Bampton from Pelham Structures, the um, applicant agent and um, the potential developer of the site. Um, as I've got somewhat longer than I expected, I'm going to deviate initially from my written script. Um, I firstly wanted to mention how much I sympathise with the committee, their policy team and the planners um, in trying to get an emerging plan through, trying to deal with a five-year housing shortfall when the government constantly moves the goalposts, um, the most recent of which the committee may not even be aware of was yesterday. This morning, rather. Yeah, yeah, where the um, revisions to the MPPF have been brought in, the principal bit that possibly affects this application is that you now have to use the housing projections from 2014 rather than 2016. And according to our maths, which I welcome comments from the officers, I think that puts you into a five-year housing position of only having 1.8 years, um, which is a very difficult position to be in. Um, the particular relevance of 1.8 years, if I now go back to the original planning application that was turned down, um, if any of you read or have had the opportunity to read the report, um, it was overwhelmingly supportive of the application, except for one point, which was conflict. Sorry, this is not working very. Conflict with the neighbourhood plan. And the conflict with the neighbourhood plan was to do with a ministerial statement that had been issued, I think, to give people who've gone to the effort of making a neighbourhood plan some comfort that the five-year trigger point for um, the MPPF um, encouraging you to grant planning permission became only three years if a town or village had a plan. And at the time of the last decision, I think there was about debatably 3.5 years, so we fell between the two. Now, since that time, two things of, of significance have happened, or one of which has got two points. The two-year period of grace passed, I think, on the 10th of December. And also, the town plan is more than two years old, both of which remove that degree of protection that the Ministry of State had um, allowed. So that in itself makes the town plan carry very, very little weight. 
But with what happened this morning, if the figures that we believe are there now were there when the previous one was determined, we believe it would have had officer approval or delegated approval if it hadn't been called in. Um, also, it was a delegated refusal. It didn't come before this committee, which various people have muted. Um, I then go on to the, the crux of the MPPF, is to provide um, an increased number of houses in a sustainable way. And I strongly believe that this is one of the most sustainable areas in your district. Yes, it's a distance to the, to the centre, but it's a centre that provides... It's one of your principal two centres. It's right opposite the um, senior school. It's got footpaths um, available to all of the local facilities. It is highly sustainable, and it also is technically brownfield land, which you've muted previously. You should encourage development on brownfield land. And for clarification, garden land... Within a, within a settlement boundary doesn't class as brownfield land, but outside it does. So technically, this is a brownfield site. And there's very, very strong policy support to grant planning permission on, brown, on previously used land in areas that are sustainable, and I believe this is a highly sustainable area. Um, the, the members of the committee that have been here some time will, will know that I've spoken on numerous occasions about um, energy efficient and sustainable schemes. Now, I'd like the planning officers to comment on this and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the NPPF introduced recently removes the restriction on you as a council imposing higher conditions than building regs. Now, that being the case, if you're mindful to approve this development, because it's every, we have every intention of building it to an absolute minimum of, of um, energy performance rating A and possibly um, very close to passive house, we would welcome a condition that um, minimises the energy use of these properties, making them even more sustainable and complying with the ethos that I'm trying to do as a company. Um, the last two developments that, that we've built, with no... Um, conditions whatsoever have all been energy performance A and it's not that expensive to do it should be the norm um, I think I've said most of what I put on my notes but basically the development if approved will be delivered promptly and to a very high standard of design and energy efficiency whilst enabling individuals a high level of involvement and customising um, and building their own homes. Now, one of the um, um, speakers earlier referred to the 22 houses in Dunmo. Um, we are at advanced stages of taking that site on. We are about to sign the documents up for it. And the reason that it hasn't proceeded so far is that with a scheme of 22 houses, it's totally impractical for individuals to, to build their own houses independently. <coughs> so what we're proposing on that site, and th this site will be similar, is that we will be putting in the roads, the infrastructure, the foundations for the houses. We're then going to um, offer those houses in three forms. It'll either be from foundations and service plots where people can build their own houses, or we'll take it to waterproof shell, 
or will complete it. But in every case, the individuals will have design input, and in some cases that will involve um, coming back to the planning committee for um, a variation. And I think lastly, I was a little disappointed that the committee didn't actually um, have it on their list of view this morning because I'm confident if they actually went onto the site and assessed it for themselves, they'd realise that there's, there's been cons um, considerable input into the design to minimise any impact on neighbours to a very low level. And it's not an important bit of the visual aspects of the Chelmer Valley. If you look up to this site from the other side of the Chelmer Valley, you basically see the back gardens of all of the neighbouring houses. Um, this is no different, other than it's slightly better screened. So um, I'm hopeful that the planners are mindful to go with the officer's report and support the application, but if there is any doubt, I ask for an adjournment so that you can actually visit the site to see for yourself. Thank you. Um, we did, in fact, visit the site. We, we did a drive past just to look at the access and generally assess the position on the top of the hill. So yeah, sorry, just you just remind me of one thing. With the access, by the way, the access is fully compliant, or the proposals for the access are fully compliant with the requirements of Essex Highways for five cars. It's not just the, the bell mouth that's good, for five houses, rather. It's not just the bell mouth that's going to be widened. The first section of the road is being widened so that vehicles, including lorries, can gain ingress and exit at the same time, so there's no possibility of reversing out onto the road. There's also a, something in the report which you might find slightly confusing. It has no bearing on your decision whatsoever, but it refers to a stopping up order. And I could spend about a week explaining the complications of that, but it basically isn't relevant to planning. And as of last week, um, the application of the stopping up has, has been withdrawn, um, so it's irrelevant. Thank you. <coughs> yeah, we had a discussion about the stopping up. I think Mr Theobald's aware that that has happened, so yes. Okay, that's the uh, final speaker. Um, I'll take Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. <coughs> this is an interesting application because it, uh, from a legal point of view, raises an interesting conundrum which we need to address. We all agree that neighbourhood plans are a good idea and as a council we encourage all um, local residents to get involved in setting up their neighbourhood plans. It means that residents are involved in the process, they are, are committed to the process and they provide land and houses as we need. Um, the whole point of a neighbourhood, neighbourhood plan, in fact, the, the incentive to do so, is that the neighbourhood itself has some discretion about where the houses are built um, and has some protection. The, the improvement to, to the five-year, by making it a three-year landspire, is yet another incentive to do so. However, the slight niggle that says that this, this, this honeymoon period is now over and two years later your neighbourhood plan is less worthy um, worries me just a little bit because it basically says build a neighbourhood plan and you have two years of relief and then all of a sudden it's bad again. That's uh, that would be a problem for me. And if we were to do that today, oops, sorry, your, your two years is up in December, so it's all going to come back to you and so much for that. It rendered that huge effort of level plan a little bit, a little bit spurious, unnecessary and, and, and awkward. So there's an issue of precedent. If we do that, we send you a signal. Guys, all the guys are working really, really hard. We in Saffron Walden are working hard at Newport. A lot of people are working hard putting neighborhood plans together. Um, it's going to give you two years of respite. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit awkward. Having said that, um, 
I like the idea of self-builds with a stupid, long caveat that, of course, self-builds have less, as I understand, have less um, 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 uh, prosecution issues. I mean, if you're self-building, can you control the, the time of building and the, and the trucks and the noise and so on in a site that is, 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 is close to children? Um, but let's all put that to a side a moment and let's just address the one issue we rejected last time was the question of outside development limits. Um, on that basis, I think it's a moot point. Um, if we take the neighbourhood plan out altogether, would we still be refusing this on those terms? So whatever we decide, I would strongly argue that we make, make a point of saying this is not a precedent in terms of regard to our neighbourhood plans and let's address it ex exclusively in terms of, of the, 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 the normal planning process. Okay. Uh, Councillor Wells and then Councillor Lemon. Well... I cannot support this. I cannot support it because much of what um, Councillor Fairhurst has just said, I totally agree with. Um, despite all the figures, what is the point of having or working for a neighbourhood plan and then just throwing it to the wind? And I find it quite cynical that we've waited right up until the moment that's now expired and then we put the development in exactly the same again. And I think Dunmo have taken their fair share and are taking their fair share of development and to me, it just flies in the face of everything that they are trying to do. So I can't support it. Yes, um, pretty well much the same as Councillor Wells. What I'd actually written down was why do we spend huge sums of money on neighbourhood plans if at times we're not going to take notice of them? And they are constantly seen to be overridden. I think it's, it's, it's one part of the council doing one thing and another part of the council doing another, and I don't find that acceptable, and I will be voting against this. Councillor Fairhurst. I'm happy to propose rejection on those terms. All right, I'm going to park that as usual. Anybody else? Okay. Councillor Lachlan. Well, I find myself agreeing with you to some point, but it is what it is. If the neighbourhood plan runs out in two years, we can't do anything about that because that is what the Minister of Housing or whoever sets these things in motion, that is what he has said. So it isn't for us to change the law. We have to abide by what is in the here and now. We may not agree with it uh, and we may not like it, but that's what it is. Until that changes, we have to abide by that. Having said that, we don't have to approve an application that we don't like for reasons that we must be able to give that will stand up at appeal. But as far as an overall plan with home rule, you know, we don't like that because the government said that. We can't do that. Can I just clarify saying that we're not throwing the neighbourhood plan out the window? No. Apart from that, I agree with absolutely everything Councillor Lockley has just said. Sorry, Mr Chairman, it was basically a two-pronged thing. We were saying that on the basis of, of normal planning principles plus a neighbourhood plan. <coughs> OK. Anybody else before I add my two pennyworth? OK. <coughs> the Dunmo neighbourhood plan is a superb document, and I think Mr Bamford would probably agree that it's a good document. Um, yeah, we've fallen into a dilemma here whereby the rule of the two-year limit, which then diminishes the, uh, if you like, the weight that should be added... Um, to the point whereby a development like this can come forward and not have the support or, of that neighbourhood plan or be in conflict with it um, puts us in a dilemma. Um, I'm also like all of you. I don't want to throw the neighbourhood plan out. I think it was done for all the right reasons and I think it should be supported to the maximum. 
Um, in saying that, I think we're going to get throttled at appeal because I just don't see how we can protect ourselves from the actual legal position whereby, uh, especially given what's happened this morning, whereby our numbers have, have changed yet again. Um, I'll thank Mr Bampton for reminding all of the public here how difficult it is that these numbers are constantly changing and therefore it's almost impossible to plan what we're doing. Um, so given all of that, uh, I'm also very supportive of the fact that he would do these to almost passive house, which is what I would want to see. I, I think he's ticking all the boxes except for the one that we perhaps can't get over. Um, I would have liked to have, as an aside, I would have liked to have perhaps seen, and I know it's whether it was in their possibility to give some parking to the listed buildings on the front because parking on the road there is an issue. Um, I'm also not that happy about the access, but if Essex County you know, Highways have approved it, then we are where we are with that one. Um, it's a really difficult one. Um, okay, you, you want to present a motion to refuse... It's outside development limits. I don't think it's really brownfield. Garden isn't really brownfield. Um, it's, it's within visual of a, of a listed building. Um, I think those are reasonable grounds for, for refusal. Um, I would be happy to go for a deferment so we can think about it and go and visit the site if that's what you feel. But I think those terms would be sufficient. Um, I'm, not sure that, mm, I'm not sure that visiting the site would, uh, would help us in this instance. I, I think probably the the lines are drawn on where we are now. Um, so I think probably it's best that rather than just kick it down the road, we actually make a decision based on that. I, I, I don't think visiting the site will help us. Can I assist Councillor Fairhurst? First of all, your comments were spot on at the very beginning. Just because a neighbourhood plan issue, there was one issue that's questioned. We are back, it doesn't say to say, well, that's it then, we need to go back to approve it now. Um, the, the, issue, the issue was sorted out at a delegated decision. Members have not seen this particular application and much as there is a danger if you start adding the refusal reasons that officers didn't put on, you need to consider it in the round. This, isn't, this is the first time you've seen this application. You, so therefore, you, you, we have got development limits and there are issues around this particular site, but that, that particular age of that particular local plan, even though it's only two years old, is, is questionable. But you're back to S7 again. You're back to that particular issues in terms of it. So if you feel it's inappropriate development affecting the rural character of the area, there are also, there are, are also development, local uh, neighbourhood plan policies that are still very relevant to this application, which you, you want to throw out. I'll be very anxious about the, the impact on the list of building issues, although that could be rounded up as, as part of the, the same refusal reasons, to be honest, in terms of the impact. That's the way forward. So all I'm anxious about, just because a neighbourhood plan on one issue is falling away, doesn't mean to say you're obliged to approve it. That's all I'm... Sorry, one thing I ought to say, but it hasn't been mentioned, and I, and I do feel sorry for the lady that said about her view, but a view you want in planning terms uh, is not relevant, unfortunately. Mr. Chairman, um, I concede entirely on that point. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, point noted. Um, okay. So we have a motion for a refusal. Um, does that find a seconder? Councillor Lodge is happy to second that. Okay. All those in favour of refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. Okay. Seven in favour of refusal. I'm actually going to abstain because I don't think we can refuse it. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm going to do exactly the same. Okay, two abstentions. Um, 
That item is refused uh, with some sympathy to Mr Bampton because uh, we'd like to see it go. But. Yeah. Yeah, because actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you'll, if you'll do that, um, no, I think let him do, let Chris do his presentation. Then we're going to go straight to it. Thanks, Stephen. Sorry. Okay. I'm just going to let things settle down a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. UTT 183278. Um, I need to make a note for the record that Councillors Freeman, Lodge and Fairhurst have left the room. Uh, Mr Tyler, if you'd like to just give the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, firstly, we just wanted to note that the description on the um, uh, agenda was incorrect. Uh, the application is for the removal of a timber shed and erection of a single dwelling. Um, there was an administration uh, error. So we just wanted to tell you before you considered the application. Um, so the site relates to a large timber shed uh, located between 22 and 26 Faxted Road in Saffron Walden. The existing site access is provided uh, between um, 16 uh, Faxted Road uh, for a private driveway. Uh, to the rear of the site is a large open garden uh, mainly uh, bound by mature hedgerow and trees. This planning application revises a previous refused application for the proposed uh, removal of the existing timber shed on the site and erection of a single dwelling. The dwelling will be two storeys to the front of the site and three storeys to the rear of the site. No objections have been received from Town Council no objections have been made by Highways Authority, uh, Environmental Health or Essex County Council ecologists. One objection has been received by um, neighbouring property in regards to parking provisions and due consideration will be made to that. Uh, the photos on the top of the slide uh, show the existing access to the site. The photos to the bottom of the slide show the existing timber shed uh, from the front of the site at Faxed Road and to the rear of the site. Uh, this shows the uh, footprint of the existing shed on the site. Uh, this is the view from Faxed Road of the existing shed. Uh, these are the proposed elevations of the house. So a, a two-storey uh, property to the front of the site but due to the ground levels there is a 
it would be a three storey to the rear of the site. Uh, the, pro uh, sorry, the proposal is considered to be appropriate form of development in the context of the character of the site and street scene. The site will be accessed from the existing uh, access to the highway already serving 18, 20 and 22 Faxard Road. Uh, appropriate parking will be conditioned. Appropriate uh, garden provision has been included. The proposal will not result in any significant uh, impact to neighbouring properties in regards to loss of privacy, overshadowing or loss of light. The site is in an air quality management area. However, it is advised by the environmental health officer that the introduction of a single dwelling will not significantly harm the air quality and therefore no mitigation or offsetting is required. Um, the propo proposal is not in, uh, will not result in any significant harm to ecology and biodiversity. As such, it's considered the proposal is an appropriate form of development uh, in accordance with both uh, local and national planning policy and is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Uh, thank you, Mr Tyler. Um, we have no specific speakers, but I think Councillor Lachlan. I would like to ask for a site visit because of the controversy around this site and some of the emails that we've received and as it is uh, Councillor Gerard's wife, I think perhaps it might be politic in a small p uh, to actually go and visit the site if that meets with your approval. <coughs> okay. Uh, all those in favour of that? Am I allowed to ask a question or do I have to wait? No, you, you may. Okay. I just, want, I just wanted to know if that from the picture there, is it butting up against the, what are the, is it separate to those walls or is it going to adjoin those walls? So it will be a, 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 it will be a terrace property, it will provide a terrace property. It will be making use of the partner walls from the Yes, side. yes, yes. So that would so be, be party yeah. wall agreements on yes, both sides. Yes, that would be subject. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to second the proposal of a site visit. Just a couple of questions. So the, the, the property that it abuts up to is not owned by the applicant then? Do we know? Well, I'm just wondering whether it's, it's um, a development of the plot. Would that come into this as well? Yeah. I, I think, again, I'm happy to go with Councillor Lockton's proposal to have a look at this. So am I, but I just uh, thought it would save me a question on the site. Yeah, I think in the light of the fact that it was refused last time on garden parking and size scale issues, I just want to be 100% sure and because of the circumstances surrounding it, I think it's a good idea to do a site visit. So if everybody's happy, all those in favour of a deferment, please show. Okay, we'll do a deferment just for a site visit on that and we'll have a look at that next month. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Sorry about that. I will now hand over to Councillor Lachlan.
with an interruption. We're just waiting for Councillor Lodge and I should say that Councillor Mills, whose application this is, has left the room. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Okay, Councillor Lodge has now joined us. Uh, this is UTT slash 18 slash 3357 slash FUL, and this is uh, Felstead. And I'll ask uh, Mrs. Denmark to go through it with us. Okay, thank you very much. Um, this is an application for a site where you previously approved a house, um, it was a replacement dwelling and the applicant has come back in for some amendments to the approved scheme. Um, so essentially, originally the application had um, a garage which would be down here, in this location here. Um, when they've looked at it, they've actually realised it's going to impact on the tree roots here. So what they want to do now is to relocate the garage down to this end of the site. This would also enable them to retain the two access points which are existing and then have an in and out driveway situation rather than um, coming in here, having the garage here and then lots of shunting around in front of the house and potentially um, causing more noise and disturbance to the neighbour. Um, they're also proposing a decking area with a swimming pool um, in this location here. They're, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. They're proposing um, some sort of, I can't pronounce the word that they've used, but so basically sunscreens um, to the... <laughs> yeah, one there. So they want one to the front door and one um, along the back here by, um, over the um, patio decking area, swimming pool. And this is the new garage here. Um, now, this was originally, it was going to be a flat roof structure here. Um, they're now proposing it to be a pitch roof structure. Um, my view is it doesn't have any impact on neighbours. Um, an additional window is proposed here because originally this would have been behind the garage um, and so you've ended up with a very um, blank elevation facing the road. Uh, so they want an additional window there. Um, this shows the garage here and the sunscreeny bit there with the, uh, the decking with the pool there. And there was a window here that's been removed and, and then again the sunscreen and the garage there. Um, and then this is the um, elevation from the other side, so looking down towards the garage. Um, the issues are as set out in the report and it's recommended that the application be approved.
Sorry, do we, do we have any speakers? We don't, do we? No. Okay, uh, Councillor Wells. I'm happy to propose the recommendation. Well, right, we have a proposer and a seconder for approval. Well, hang on. Councillor Fursey wanted to speak. Sorry. Just to take more time. Um, the, can we have a picture, please, of the, of the house as opposed to its neighbours? The site of the house, the land. Yep. So can you show me where the neighbours are? Oh, I see. Okay, oh, thank you. Sorry, anybody else like to speak? No? Well, we have a proposer and a seconder for approval. So could I have a show of hands? All those in favour, please show. And that's unanimous. Thank you. Thank you very much, yes. <laughs> UTT 182869, Ashley, Chelmsford Road, Felstead. Mr Theobald to take us through it. Clive, when you're ready. This application, householder, relates to alterations and modifications to the principal elevation of this existing chalet dwelling along the Chelmsford Road frontage to provide enhanced front bedroom accommodation together with bay window changes and associated changes to existing frontage external materials. The existing front ground bay windows will be slightly enlarged and squared off as new bay windows and have flat narrow roofs, uh, whilst the existing front projecting roof gable will be brought forward by one metre to provide a first floor projecting bay bedroom window, which would also be supported by columns that would stand over the front door. The existing black and white cladding material to the principal elevation would be replaced by painted Render. Just show you a, a quick uh, cross section that's looking at the front uh, through the new um, jetted uh, gable extension. The issues to consider in this application are design and impact on residential amenity. The parish council have been consulted on the proposal and have made comments, although there have not been any third party representations received. The report concludes that the design of this small frontage modification is acceptable and that no residential amenity issues would arise from the proposal. The report therefore recommends that the application be approved. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Mr Theobald. Uh, we have no speakers on this item, so over to you, Committee. Any comments? Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman. The, the, the Parish Council says it will be unattractive doesn't, and, and top end, which would not enhance the environment. Do you have any idea what the houses next door look like? Um, I think Mr Theobald has a street scene, potentially. It's quite a mix. I used to live in Chelmsford Road, so I've got some idea. Yeah, so you can see the um, subject dwelling just off left of centre, 
and it's a mix of housing styles, ages and, and scale. That's taken from uh, one side and then from the other you've got a Victorian terrace and then you've got a two-storey dwelling and then you've got the um, chalet dwelling on the horizon there and obviously uh, beyond. I think you could safely call it a mix. I'm happy to propose acceptance. I'm happy to second from the chair. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That is unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. Moving on, um, UTT 183451, um, number three, Little Walden. And I think... Uh, Luke Mills is going to take it through instead of Rosemary. Luke, when you're ready. Thank you, Chairman. The site is located off Little Walden Road in Saffron Walden and comprises an end of terrace, sorry, end of terrace cottage and its rear garden. This is a photograph of the rear of the property. The proposed development includes the erection of a single storey extension at the side and rear. Uh, sorry, there we are. Um, and the insertion of rear-facing dormer windows and front-facing conservation roof lights. It is recommended that planning permission be granted subject to the conditions set out in the officer's report. <coughs> Thank you, Luke. Uh, we have no... Oh, yes, Dawn Joan. Sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and we would want to hear you, really. My apologies for the... Uh, length of the proceedings. I have you down as, as Dawn John, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I thought they'd mess me about again with the name. No, no, they're just trying to make your life difficult. Right. Um, well, it, I'm Dawn John. I live in the Victory Number 1, Little Walden Road, so I'm next door to this property. Um, and I realise that compared to the the uh, planning applications discussions this afternoon and their effect upon whole communities, I can see that after a long day, this doesn't seem important to anyone. However, um, I believe that the integrity of the buildings within the conservation area of Saffron Walden are vitally important. I've just been writing notes. I didn't print anything out. I'm sorry. Uh, so the house in question is within the conservation area and I have three reasons for my objection. Um, due, due to a, a drop of two metres between our properties, the dormer windows will severely affect our privacy in our garden. Um, a planning application for dormer windows in the square was refused previously um, and the whole look of them would be detrimental to the scene of, within the square. Um, my, second, my, my second objection was between us is an ancient flint wall. Um, it's within the curtilage of our house, which is grade two uh, listed. And although it's only four to five feet on our side, it's eight to ten feet on the other side because the land drops away um, considerably. Um, the pro proposed extension is within a metre, a metre and a half of that wall. Um, I'm not an engineer, but I'm concerned about the foundations of the wall. You know, it's a very thick old wall with bits of greenery growing on it. 
Um, my third point was that the proposed four-bedroom extension will forfeit off-road parking to the side of the building. Uh, there are parking issues in this road, um, although this won't affect the current owner as the property is up for sale. We had great difficulty obtaining resident parking ourselves, um, and there are two new redevelopments, one, one side of me and one the other side of number three, currently applying for parking permits. Um, I understand that resident parking is also to be reduced, so just a point. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you very much for your patience. Uh, I'll take Councillor Freeman, then Councillor Lockham, and then Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, I, I was asked to call this in because uh, if you look in the top left, I, I, actually, is it possible to have a map that isn't covered with an arithmetic grid like this? Do you have a location plan? That, okay. Well, the top left is called uh, Upper Square, and Castle Street has three squares, upper, middle, and lower. Uh, they come from the Victorian or earlier period when these houses were built around a square. And that one, Upper Square, has actually got its own street lamp right in the middle of it, uh, which isn't, doesn't work, but anyway. Uh, and two sides of the square remain. Uh, this happens to be one of them. Number three is one of them. That side runs down to number seven. And then on the extreme north, I suppose the northwest of that map, uh, is the other side of the square. So building out into it has a significant impact. They sort of share the central area. Uh, and if we can have a look at the rear elevation again, Luke, please. Um, yeah. Uh, you see it's an orangery. Uh, and if you look at the front, which is the elevation on the left, uh, in fact, the build there takes out some of the car parking. So the town council's objection to this is on the basis that it loses off-road parking. And it is used, although the officer reports that um, it's not up to the standards that you have on the state in terms of width. It doesn't matter. Trust me, if you live in that area, you park your car off-road wherever you can. And if you look at it, it, it might be worth a site visit. I don't know. It depends how we dispose of this. Also, if you look at the elevation on the left, there's a couple of uh, roof lights inserted into what is a peg-tile roof. Uh, which are generally speaking, you, you don't insert roof lights on the roadside in a conservation area. I've attempted to do that myself. I live in this area just down the road. Um, I had a new build, uh, but I wasn't allowed to put roof lights on the roadside. It depends on the conservation officer around at the time, but it's, it's not a good thing to do. Uh, and the, that orangerie would be the only one in any of those squares in the conservation area in that street. So... It's not in keeping. In fact, it's an overdevelopment because it doubles the surface area of what is a small and very modest house uh, at the expense of the neighbours. But maybe a uh, chairman of site visit might be the answer. You'd, you'd see much more clearly then. It's only just up the road. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll let the other people speak, but I'm minded to agree with you um, purely on the difference in levels and everything else. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we're also doing another site visit in Saffron Wood next month anyway, so it wouldn't be difficult to tack it on. Um, okay. Uh, rather than continue the debate on this, is everybody happy that we do a site visit on this one because of the amenity and everything else? Yes, you may. Particularly, I was going to ask, you know, I don't know so much as some of the more experienced people here, but it's in the conservation area, and I'd like a site visit to see whether it preserves the character and appearance of the 
conservation area, and I think site visit would be good. My head around the location. Is this, this is near where Heather lives. She lives on the on the end, doesn't she? So are you sort of like near next door neighbour or something? Next door but one. Okay, that, okay. I know. I know exactly where you are. The, the, I think asbestos would help a lot, but um, we're all amateurs. Shouldn't we have a conservation officer? Um, the question of door windows and things matters a huge amount, and, and we really would need someone to give us advice on this. Uh, on the issue of conservation roof lights, there is a product that is a conservation roof light that goes into peg tile roofs that would be completely acceptable yeah. to the conservation officer given this location. So I, I take your point, but we'll address that on the site visit next time, if that's okay with you. Okay. And I have the same experience. That, that was the policy I, in South I, I get that. Okay. Then the, we will bring all of that experience to bear next time. If everybody's happy, can we all show in favour of a site visit? Please show. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, we will do a site visit on that one next month. Thank you very much indeed. And thank you for your patience. See you next month. Three weeks. We'll, we'll try and bump it up to the front next month. Yeah. Uh, UTT 183134. Luke, if you'd like to take us through. Thank you, Chairman. The proposed development includes the replacement of the mobile air monitoring station to the front of the lodge here at the council offices with a smaller permanent station. This is a photograph of the existing unit as seen from the road. Just there off the wall. This is a photograph of the proposed unit, which is a lot smaller. It is recommended that planning permission be granted subject to the conditions set out in the officer's report. Thank you very much, Luke. All those in favour? Sorry. Uh, okay. It looks like it's in somebody's front room. Uh, okay. Uh, Councillor Lodge? Uh, thank you. Uh, the, uh, at the moment, the, the current one um, pokes out of the, the top of the wall, and uh, obviously, as it does that, it will uh, it will gain access to the fit the uh, air that it's trying to measure. This one looks as though it's a bit small, sits behind the wall, and we may have a second useless air quality monitoring machine in Saffron Walden. I, I take your point, but unless you're into designing measuring equipment, then I would presume this is a little bit more state-of-the-art than the one we're replacing. Yeah, I just wondered, if, uh, could we have some reassurance that it will work? Or is that, that's not a planning issue, is it? No. Okay, yeah, give in, give I, in. Councillor, I think we'll take that discussion. I, I, I see where you're coming from. I also need to make sure that the existing one goes, if they're going to put that one there as well. <clears throat> okay, uh, I'm happy to propose this from the chair. Mr Chairman, it's also in the wrong place. We're moving from a place that could have worked if the machine was working to a place where it can't work, even if the machine does. Uh, okay. <laughs> the application before us is to put this machine in this location. I'm happy to propose it from the chair. Does it find a seconder? Yes, it does, Councillor yeah. Fairs. All those in favour, please show. Thank you. That is unanimous. <coughs> Thank you very much for attending, everybody. It was a pleasure as always.